Uh, recording has started. Okay, thank you. I have 4.03 p.m. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So I'll go ahead and call the regular meeting of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force um, start, and it's December 7th, 2022. And Cheryl, if you want to go ahead and read our preamble. Okay. Uh, this is a remote meeting via video conference. Uh, public comment call-in number is 1-415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2499-585-0242 pound pound. Remote access to information and participation. In accordance with Governor Newsom's executive order N3320, declaring a state of emergency regarding the COVID-19 outbreak and Mayor London and Breed's proclamation declaring a local emergency issued on February 25, 2020, including the guidance for gatherings issued by the San Francisco Department of Public Health Officer, aggressive directives were issued to reduce the spread of COVID-19. On March 17, 2020, the Board of Supervisors authorized their board and committee meetings to convene remotely via Microsoft Teams and will allow remote public comment via teleconference. Members of the public may participate by phone or may submit their comments by email to sfgov to sotf at sfgov.org. All comments received will be made a part of the official record. Sunshine Ordinance Task Force agendas and their associated documents are available at sfbos.org forward slash sunshine. As the COVID-19 disease progresses, please visit the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force website regularly to be updated on the current situation as it affects the legislative process. Uh, Chair Yankee, do you want to read meeting decorum? Oh, you can go ahead, Cheryl. Meeting decorum. Any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task, may, Task Force may call for decorum due to disorderly conduct of meeting participants. Persons who engage in threatening and are menacing behavior may be asked to leave. Okay, thank you. And let's go ahead and get started with item number one. Item number one, call to order, roll call, and agenda changes. Shall we proceed with roll call? Yes, please. Member Wolf. Present. Member Wolf present. Member Hill. Member Hill not present. Member Highland. Present. Member Highland present. Member Stein. Present. Member Stein present. Member Palmanabin. Member Palmanabin present. Uh, Member Palmanabin, you may need to speak up a little bit. It was hard to hear for you. Uh, Member LaHood. Present. Member LaHood present. Member Schmidt. Present. Member Schmidt present. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. Present. Vice Chair Wong present. Chair Yankee. Present. Chair Yankee present. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have a quorum. And, and one absence right now. Okay. Uh, agenda changes. Um, I don't know if this would qualify as an agenda change, but I know that there was a uh, member of the public, Mr. Sergei Severinov, who requested that his his uh, case be heard after 5 p.m. Um, he had an exchange with myself and um, uh, Chair Yankee about this issue. His classes end at uh, 5 p.m. Um, typically, we are done with our business uh, sometime after 5 p.m. 
um, and I believe Mr. Zarinov is aware of this, but if we are not at 5 p.m., Chair Yankee, what would you like to do? Well, our bylaws state we're not going to start any complaints until 5 p.m. anyways, and so um, we would go into a, a short recess until we hit 5 p.m. Right. So it should be fine if, if need be, if he still doesn't make it. By the time we get to his um, his item, we could continue, you know, potentially continue it to later in the meeting. Okay. Uh, shall I call the uh, next matter? Not not yet. I just want to make sure that we have no other agenda changes from the members, and we should take public comment on that. I don't see any hands, so let's go ahead and see if we have any public comment on that. Just item. a moment. If there, are there any members of the public who would like to make public comment on agenda changes? You can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I will give everyone a moment to go ahead and um, raise their hand if they would so desire. I'm not seeing any indications of uh, raised hands for public comment at this time. Okay, great. Thank you, Victor. So we'll go ahead and close public comment on this and move to the next item. Item number 1A, findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953, E as in Edward. The task force is expected to consider a motion setting forth findings required under Assembly Bill 361 that would allow committee the committee to hold the meetings remotely according to the modified Brown Act teleconferencing set forth in AB 361. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And I would just note that we have not received any updates, at least that I'm aware of, um, that would modify the mayor's emergency order that would require us to meet um, via teleconference only. So do we have any motions on this item? This is Member LaHood. I'd like to make a motion that we approve having uh, a remote meeting as indicated um, in the text Ms. Leger just read. Member Wolf, second. Okay, so we have that moved by Member LaHood, seconded by Member Wolf. Any discussion among the members on this? And seeing no hands, we'll go ahead and move to public comment on this. Yes, if any members of the public would like to make public comment on this matter, uh, you can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I'm seeing no indications of raised hands for public comment on this matter. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment on that. And Cheryl, when you're ready, let's go ahead and vote. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Pamanabin. Aye. Member Pamanabin, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Member Hill absent. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Uh, 
eight in favor and one absence. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And when you're ready, we can go ahead and move on to item number two. Item number two, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force regular meeting of November 2nd, 2022. We do have a copy of the minutes. Okay, uh, members, any edits or other suggested changes? Or if not, any motion to approve? Member Stein, I will make a motion to approve. Okay, so moved by Member Stein, seconded by Member Pabinabin to approve the meeting minutes. Um, was the second? I didn't hear that, Chair Hankey. Uh, Member Pabinabin seconded that. So we want to move to public comment? Yes, let's go ahead and move to public comment. Yes, if there's any members of the public like to make public comment at this time, you can go ahead and raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I'm going to go ahead and unmute our first caller. Can you hear me now? Yes. Great, David Philpel. Um, so on the minutes um, throughout, there are a couple of uh, instances on page Five, page six at the top and page six at the bottom of um, uh, Winship Hillier providing uh, written uh, statements. I believe that those uh, written statements are appropriate to be included uh, in the minutes, but that they do not substitute for uh, a summary of um, his public comment. And I would encourage you, uh, whether or not you fix the minutes uh, this time uh, in the future to both uh, summarize the public comment uh, as you would for any other uh, speaker and where someone provides uh, the written statement to include that uh, as well. I, I, as I say, I don't believe that the written statement replaces, I believe it's in addition to uh, the requirement to summarize public comment. Um, also on page seven, uh, let's see, page seven, uh, my public uh, comment uh, just after uh, Mr. Warfield, um, it doesn't read particularly well. I think it should say something like David Pilpel stated in the next few months, the task force may advise other policy bodies in the city to, to proceed with hybrid meetings and that he doesn't know when the mayor and policy bodies will go back to in-person meetings, period. Hybrid meetings have allowed increased public participation and uh, and thus hybrid meetings are are best and the SOTF should advise other bodies appropriately. Uh, David, is that a uh, PDF page six or seven, or is it my page seven, the hard copy? I'm not sure what you're talking about. It's page seven of um, the uh, all of the above. It's under item five, public comment. Item five, okay, that helps. Public comment. Page seven. Did did that make sense to anyone else listening? Maybe, maybe. Um, okay. Um, and then a couple other things on page eight, 
item seven proposed bylaw amendments, uh, the second bold action moved by member Highland, seconded by member Stein. I think it needs a comma after member Stein. On page nine to 10, there's an extra page break that found its way in there somehow. And I think there was one last thing. Oh, and on page 15, there were um, several references to, uh, actually page 15 and 16, there were references to in memoriam. I believe that that spelled capital I-N, capital M-E-M-O-R-I-A-M. Um, so the, the last graph on 15 and uh, Mr. Warfield's comment on page 16, uh, I think could be more clear. Okay, you're looking right. at the PDF. You're not looking at the document with the page numbers because my my uh, page numbers stop at my page 14 at number 15 adjournment item 15. So I'm not exactly sure where you're getting all of this. I'm just looking at the document that was posted on the website. That's the only thing I have to go on. All right. The, the, the Warfield uh, comment is just prior to adjournment on page 16. Okay, thanks. The test was for alerting the public to upcoming. Okay, I see it. In, in memoriam because people might want to, okay. That can be cleaned up. I think those are my comments on the minutes. Thank you for listening. I'm good. Okay, uh, I do not have any additional callers who have indicated they would like to make public comment on the minutes. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment. Uh, members, we have the option of accepting any of those changes or approving as the original motions um, stated. So I'll turn it over to the member Stein. I don't know if you wanted to, to incorporate those changes with your motion or, or keep it as is. Um. We can incorporate those changes. And does the seconder agree? I agree. Okay, so so Cheryl, um, you could put that the um, that member Stein, seconded by member Pabinabin, restated their motion to approve the meeting minutes with the suggested changes in public comment, and then then go ahead and make those changes, obviously, for the minutes. And if you're ready, Cheryl, we can go ahead and move to a vote for that. Are we ready to vote? Yep. Okay. Uh, Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Palmanabin. Aye. Member Palmanabin, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Uh, Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Member Hill absent. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. 
Eight in favor, one absent. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And when you're ready, we can go ahead and proceed to the next item. Item number three, approval of the order of determinations, November 2nd, 2022, action file numbers, 22030, 21148, and 21086. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Um, so, so members, like we talked about, I think it was last meeting or the meeting before, we've been putting the orders of determination uh, as, as a separate item. So that's what this item is. And I don't know if anyone has any suggested edits on those. And if not, we can go ahead and make a motion to approve. This is Vice Chair Wong. I'll make a motion to approve um, those orders of determination. This is Member LaHood. I second that motion. Okay, so moved by Vice Chair Wong, seconded by Member LaHood to approve the orders of determination. And let's go ahead and open that up for public comment. Yes, if you'd like to make public comment, you can go ahead and raise your hand by pressing star three, or otherwise, I'll use the application to raise your hand. I believe we have Mr. Pelpel who would like to make comment at this time. I will unmute him. Uh, I assume you can hear me okay, David Pilpel again. Uh, my only thought here is uh, going forward, I would include the date uh, that the complaint was filed. I think that is uh, relevant um, if someone wants to gauge uh, aging or the, the time it takes from uh, filing to uh, a vote by the task force to the, the order issuing. That date is available elsewhere. I just think it would be useful to just include here. So, for example, complaint uh, filed X date by Giselle Robbie and Carl Kramer, et cetera. I don't think there's a particular need uh, to amend this set, uh, but that's just a suggestion going forward. Thanks for listening. We have other public commenters, Mr. Young? I don't, I do not see any other indications of raised hands for public comment at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment on this item. Any further discussion? And seeing no hands, um, let's go ahead and move to a vote on that. Cheryl, when you're ready. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Padmanabhan. Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Hyland. Aye. Member Hyland, aye. Member Hill. Absent. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Eight in favor, one absence. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And when you're ready, let's go ahead and move on to the next item. Okay. One second.
Item number four, file number 22143, annual supervisor of records report from the city attorney. Uh, there are six separate attachments. Um, I can't speak about the document. Uh, uh, Ms. Quartz from the city attorney's office provided the record. So she knew the hearing was happening. So I don't know if she's here. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And so this is the review and potential acceptance of the annual report. And so, um, like I said, I don't know if someone from the city attorney's office is here. Maybe they could raise their hand if they are. I'm not seeing any hands, I don't believe. So I'm not sure that they're here. Um, so, members, do we have any discussion on this? I'm not seeing any hands. Um, so, did we want to have a motion then to formally accept this? Okay, to keep things going, I will, I will move to actually, uh, 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 chair Yankee. Can I say 1 thing for the record? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, this is member Lud. Um, I'm, uh, it's unfortunate that we don't have one, someone here from the office where this was created because when we get a document like this, that's very lengthy and includes lots of bits and pieces. It, it is often helpful to have, uh, someone just provide a little bit of narrative and summary about what went into it. So I wish. Uh, that someone had uh, attended our meeting. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Member LaHood. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. I was just about to jump in to say, honestly, that I don't know what to do with an over 2000 page document that's sent to us, you know, five days before um, our meeting. It just, it, we all have regular lives and jobs and trying to absorb that much information or even make sense of it really is just difficult. So. I agree with member LaHood. Member LaHood again. It's like someone grabbed all of the files on their desk, threw them in a garbage bag and sent them to us. <laughs> well, um, this is this is member Stein. And I think the words that came to my mind were data dump, <laughs> um, which is, you know, but, but it does do, I suppose, what the um, mandate for it to do uh, is, which is to report on certain items. I will say, you know, I, I don't think in any of their, the petitions that they report on the 48 petitions, um, there were no, uh, they didn't determine that any records were improperly redacted or withheld. And I was kind of curious, you know, how many of those positions did we agree with when those things came in front of us? Um, but we don't really, you know, I haven't had time to even try to compare. Um, what what's reported there and, you know, with what we did. So, I suppose it meets the, the requirements for the annual supervisor of records report, but minimally. Yeah, and with not really enough time to review it. Thank you, member Stein, um, member Wolf. Yeah, so um, I echo uh, everybody else's sentiments about this. Uh, one area I would have been interested to um, uh, question somebody about was uh, how many uh, findings of noncompliance 
did they uh, did they uh, uh, come to um, that would be kind of my high higher priority question. Thank you, Member Wolf. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, I was going to say, like, it just looked to me like there were this is Member Stein that there were no. They didn't make any determinations that any records were improperly redacted or withheld, so th there wouldn't be an issue even of compliance, um, you know, in that case. But that's why I wonder where, you know, where are the points of difference between how we interpreted the Sunshine Ordinance and, and how they did? Thank you, Member Stein. Um... You know, there, there, you know, instead of accepting this, what we could do is we could continue the item and request that someone from the city's attorney's office join us for our next meeting, and maybe we could have a, a you know, more one-on-one -on -one discussion with them about it. If I recall, we've typically had a representative in the past when we've accepted these, um, so this is kind of, you know, a little, little different where they, where no one has shown up. Um, so I don't know if, if everyone would be interested in that as a, an option instead. Stein, I don't necessarily think that that is necessary um, because I think, you know, we see what's there. We see the summary of, of the extent to which they examined <laughs> their responses to the Sunshine Ordinance. So I'm not sure if we need to wait, but I will defer to the other members. Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong. I, I, I will just say maybe we can throw that in to our request that we actually ask them to, us, you know, compare to potential files that were created with us as a task force um, so we can get that information. So I suppose that's another option. We could accept it instead of asking them to come. We could pose a question back to them for you know, a review at a, a subsequent meeting. Um, that's another way we could we could do the motion if we wanted to. Uh, Member Wolf. I would say that we maybe we make a motion that we have received the item because we did obviously receive it. Uh, and whether and that we maybe request an audience uh, with somebody from from the office um it's not a matter of whether we approve it or not it's a matter of just receiving it even if i have to just take a picture of my last one <laughs> uh, victor i think so i'm just i'm just thinking you know it's kind of a formality but if we have specific questions or whatnot or that we um you know we might want an audience with somebody to answer specific questions that we make that part of the motion. Uh, yes to the first part. I generate it. Victor, Victor, we can hear you. Give me a second. Victor, can you mute yourself? Apologies, sorry. <laughs> okay, thanks. Sorry about that, Member Wolf. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that was it. I okay. said it twice. All right, that's my suggestion. We have a potential motion here. Then we have some different options we can choose from. If someone wants to to make a motion. If nobody wants to make a motion, then I'll, I'll make that motion. Okay, so the motion is to uh, receive the annual report and request attendance at a future meeting from 
a representative from the city attorney's office. Is that correct, Member Wolf? Yeah, to answer questions. To or, answer questions. Yeah. Okay, so that is the motion. Do we have a second for that? Okay, so seconded by Member Schmidt. Any further discussion on that motion? Okay, not seeing any hands. So, Shell, do you have the motion? Uh, moved by Member Wolf, seconded by Member Schmidt that the task force uh, received the item and request an audience from a mem from a member of the city attorney's office at a future meeting to answer questions. I think we got it. Okay, great. <laughs> So let's go ahead and open it up to public comment on this item. Okay, uh, for public comment, if you'd like to at this time, you can raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise raising your hand. Uh, I will go ahead and unmute Mr. Pilpel. Uh, David Pilpel again. So on the supervisor records report, I would uh, not receive uh, the report and then ask for a presentation. I would just continue the entire item so that you're not actually receiving the report until you've had a brief presentation and summary from someone from the city attorney's office. And uh, it could be Ms. Court, but would be better to have uh, Brad Russi or uh, whoever was functioning as the supervisor of records uh, last year. Uh, it is tough to understand the context of some of these and it's, you know, not just hundreds, but like thousands. I mean, 2,457 pages is what I got in the, the full uh, download. Um, in the past, the city attorney has always uh, sent an attorney, um, primarily the person who was the supervisor of records um, for the majority of the year, at least, um, to present summarize, you know, give some color and flavor and take uh, questions. Um, it's kind of an important uh, function. I mean, you have a certain function with respect to petitions or complaints, and so does the city attorney. And it was important to have that report presented at the task force, uh, which is why that's a requirement in the ordinance. Um, also, since the reporting period is now a calendar year and has been uh, for a number of years now, I think it would be better to have the report um, earlier in the year. Um, I don't know why it took until November for um, the city attorney's office to uh, compile all the material ending last December into this report. And finally, since uh, Brad Russi was reassigned to another function in the office, I'm wondering who is the primary uh, supervisor of records contact. Um, usually it's someone in the government team, and I don't know who that is right now, and that might be an easy question for them to answer when they come back, perhaps at next month's meeting. Thanks for listening. Okay, give me one moment. I'm gonna unmute our next caller. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. My name is Winship Hillier. I don't need a time um, because I'm timing myself. Um, the, the task force should not move to receive this report. And I'm going to quote from the Rules of Order 12th edition, paragraph 51, comment, comma, colon 15. And I quote, 
a common error is to move that a report, quote, be received, end quote, after it has been read. Apparently on the supposition that such a motion is necessary in order for the report to be taken under consideration or to be recorded as having been made. In fact, this motion is meaningless and is therefore not in order since the report has already been received, dot, 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 dot. And uh, I would just say that regarding uh, a motion to uh, request that the city attorney come to the next meeting, I don't think that's in order because it violates the second sentence of SS admin code section 67.7A, and I quote, agenda shall specify for each item of business the proposed action or a statement that the item is for discussion only, dot, 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 end quote. Um, and this proposed action was not on the agenda. Back to you, Mr. Clerk. Okay, just checking. And I do not see any other hands indicating public comment at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment on this. Um, I see Member Wolf, your hands up. Now it's not up. <laughs> Okay, so members, any further discussion on this item before we, we take a vote? Hold on, I just couldn't get myself unmuted. Um, okay. So I would, you know, uh, I'm compelled by the public comment and I was kind of thinking that it, you know, even though we got the document, we would receive it, but the function of receiving is actually an important factor. So I appreciate the, uh, the refresher on that. Um, I would uh, be open to uh, uh, rescinding the motion and then um, making a new motion. And if the seconder is okay with that, um, I would do that to continue the item. Okay. Um, I think that seconder was Member Schmidt. Member Schmidt, would you be open to having the item, the motion rescinded? Uh, yes. I okay. So we'll, we'll go ahead, Cheryl, you can mark that the, the motion has been rescinded. Um, Member Wolf, did you want to make a, a new motion? Yes, I would uh, move to continue the item to the January meeting. Okay, and then did you want to include a request from the city attorney's office? In, including a request, yes, including a request uh, for an audience with uh, somebody knowledgeable about the report. Okay, so moved by member Wolf to continue the item to the next meeting with an audience to request an audience from a representative of the city attorney's office knowledgeable about the report. And do we have a second on that? This is member Padmanabhan. I will second that motion. Okay, thank you, member Padmanabhan. So that is moved by member Wolf, seconded by member Padmanabhan. And I saw earlier, member Padmanabhan, you had your hand up. Did you have comment? No, I'm, I was just going to echo what um, Member Wolf said. Okay, great. Um, I think that uh, that's pretty much the same motion, and so I'm not sure there's a need for. We know we'll, well just because it is somewhat different. We'll go ahead and reopen public comment specifically on that change. If there's any, if any comment on that. If anybody would like to make public comment on that change, you can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. 
I see no indication of no additional okay. public comment. Okay, thank you, Victor. So if there's no public comment, we'll go ahead and and close that. Um, members, any last discussion before we go ahead and vote? I'm not seeing hands. So Cheryl, when you're ready, let's go ahead and have a vote on that item. Uh, Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Padmanabhan. Aye. Member Padmanabhan. Aye. Member Smith. Aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Highland. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Hill. Absent. Aye. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Moved by Member Wolf, seconded by Member Padmanabhan to rescind the original motion and move to continue the item to the January Sunshine Task Force meeting and include a request for an audience from someone knowledgeable from the city attorney's office about the report. Great. Okay. I think we are ready to move on to the next item. Cheryl, when you're ready. Go. Item number five, administrators report complaints and communications. So Cheryl, go ahead, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Yep, I know. Gotta find my report. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So it was drafted November 30th, which was last week. Or early, yeah, last week, earlier last week, yes. Um, I've included all the uh, December dates, January, February, March, April of uh, 2023. Um, and item two, I have included uh, all the new cases that came in since November 4th up until uh, November 20th. Um, and then as you are all aware, we had, a, I had a very short week anyway, that week of, uh, Right before Thanksgiving, we only had 3 working days. I actually had 2 working days. Um, so that those were all the new cases that came in in November. Um, we are moving up in our totals on item number 3 complaints petitions. Um, we have more this month than we did last month. Updates from committees. We have the complaint committee minutes. Um, item five is the slide deck from former member Allison Washburn that uh, I had difficulty uh, accessing last month, so I included it this month. Um, and we have a record of emails because it was such a short month uh, or short week last week or two weeks ago. Uh, there were 177 emails, so we really didn't have that much activity because of the holiday. So normally we have at least 190 emails or 200 or over 200. Uh, in a 30 day period and um, we did not because of the holiday. Okay. Anybody have questions? Um, so I, I just had a couple questions here uh, yeah. to get the discussion going. Um, just want to take a look at the, um, the hearing schedule and to make sure that the committees who have hearings at the end of December, because I know we have some holidays around that time, to make sure that they're available for those meetings. I don't know if, if the, maybe the committee chairs want to weigh in on that. Um, 
I know we also have some some absences from the or some vacancies on the task force, so that may make getting a quorum a little more difficult. So maybe we can just make sure that we have people for those. So, Andrew, so, this is member LaHood. Um, I will be able to attend the compliance and amendments committee meeting on um, December 22nd, or excuse me, 27th. Um, member Wong, are you going to be available that day? I will be. Okay. So we will need um, a third and Chair Yangi, I don't know if, are, are you permanently joining that committee or are we not? not? No. <laughs> okay. And you can still meet with just two for, for the time okay. if need be, because that does meet quorum. That's what I want to make sure if we, someone is available, that's terrific if we could have three, but it's, it's not a requirement. Um, Member Wolf, I think I see him toggling his yeah. hand up. Yeah. Now. Um, if, if you are open to it, Member LaHood, I'm happy to fill in uh, for the time being. That would be great. We would uh, welcome you, and I, I appreciate uh, that quick offer. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Member thank Wolf. You. So we'll go ahead and include Member Wolf as a as a uh, third committee member on that committee for now. I got that. Okay, great. And then for the complaint committee on December twentieth, uh, Member Schmidt is that does that work for you, Member Stein? And I, I think Member Wolf is on that committee as well. It does, it does work for me, it's Member Stein. I can do it. Yeah, no problem yeah. for me. Yeah, we're fine. Okay, great. All right, so it looks like we're all set for our committee meetings in December. Um, and then the other item regarding potential meetings and schedules is typically we have um, some type of working session or orientation session, um, December, January timeframe. I'm not sure if anyone was interested in this point in scheduling something like that, potentially for January or February, this would be a meeting separate from our regular meeting where we typically do not include complaints, but deal with some of the other administrative items um, that are kind of pending before us and, you know, discuss anything in a more kind of informal setting. So I'm open to feedback. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm sorry, Chair Yankee. I was just thinking that it's also a good refresher for people to discuss the law or whatever it is that has happened in the past year or so. Right. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe before we get into that discussion, if I could, if Victor could answer if there's any um, pending applications for our vacancies that, I mean, maybe if we, if there are, we would want to hold off until we have new members. So, uh, uh, Victor? Um, if you can give me a moment, I believe we do have uh, at least one um, pending application and another one where I we're waiting for additional information, but uh, we do have at least one applicant, I believe. Okay, that's, um, that's good information to have. So, members, I didn't know if you wanted to to wait potentially and and do this once we have new members on board so that they can be part of the the orientation discussion. Um, what's everyone's thoughts? That's a good idea. <laughs> this is member Stein. To, uh, to wait or to, to do it? To uh, wait for new wait. members. Because it is it is being a somewhat recent new member. It There's a lot to catch up with. I agree. That, yeah. So let's do that. So, you know, absent any other, other comments here suggesting otherwise, um, I'll tentatively plan to call a special meeting for that purpose, but I will wait until we have some new members on board and so this way that they can kind of join us for that and use it as an opportunity to get them or uh, use it as an orientation get them up to speed on everything we're working on so um that'll be coming once 
we get new members. Member LaHood? Yes, I was just looking at the other um, uh, calendar items going forward. And Ms. Leger, it looks like starting in February, I think some of the days are off by a day. Some of the dates are off. Check my calendar. Yeah, I, I was I was looking for the ones that I needed to add to my calendar and the full task force uh, hearing and the compliance amendments are off by one day each. So I'm wondering if everything from February forward might have gotten shifted a day a day ahead. You know what, uh, member, that's a great catch. I'm looking here at that. Those are the 2022 dates. So I think that's probably what what happened with Cheryl. Yep. I think that's probably what I did. Yep. Yeah, because we will have a task force meeting February 1st, which is a Wednesday, and then two weeks later on the 14th, we have a complaint committee meeting. And then on the 21st, we will have either EOT or who at compliance. It'll be on the 21st. So, yep, that's what I was looking at. 2022. That's a good catch. Thank you very much, Lila. No problem. Okay, thank you. Any other comments from the members? Now I'll go ahead and open this up to public comment. Oh, actually, I just had one question. Sure. Go ahead, Vice Chair Wong. This is Vice Chair Wong. Um, on, let's see. In item number three, Cheryl, I was just curious for 2020, it says 34 comma 41. So I was just curious about the difference, what those two numbers indicate. Oh, um, it should be 41. I, that should have been, um, 34 should have been removed. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's all that was. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else? Okay, I don't see any hands. So we'll go ahead and open this up to public comment. Okay. Uh, if there's anybody who would like to make public comment at this time, you can raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I'll unmute our first caller. Uh, David Pilpel again. Uh, just a couple of uh, scheduling uh, questions. I thought rules was meeting uh, every other month, so I have next uh, Tuesday at five o'clock for rules, um, but that doesn't appear on the uh, schedule here. Is rules meeting on a regular basis or is it only at the call of the chair? I'm confused about that. Um, and my other uh, question was about the amendments that were discussed at the last um, uh, compliance and amendments uh, committee and if that's coming back at the next uh, meeting of the CAC on um, December 27th, because I was also uh, looking for the draft minutes on those, which might actually be on the website, but I have not looked for them. Those are my questions slash comments. Thanks. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, moving on to next caller. Uh, hi, this is Winship Hillier. Um, I. I don't, I don't, I didn't see a motion on the agenda for this item. Administrator's report is not a proposed action that the task force could elect to take or not take. The administrator's report usually has um, already approved 
meeting dates in it. And when I saw the meeting dates in this administrative report, I thought those had been approved. So um, maybe I didn't read the report carefully enough, um, but it seems kind of sneaky to bury something in the report that's actually going to become a motion uh, when none of the rest of the report is going to be a motion. Um, so I would just complain about that. Back to you, Mr. Clerk. What seems sneaky in the report? Cheryl, no, now is not the time to do that. We have okay, next I do not see any additional hands raised at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment. Um, we did have a question regarding the rules committee. Um, the rules committee meets on call. There's no set schedule. Um, and obviously without a chair for the rules committee right now, that's something we're working on. So there's no tentative hearings currently scheduled by the rules committee. And then um, member LaHood, I'll let you speak briefly about the, the next compliance and amendments agenda. I believe you were going to include another opportunity for amendments presentations. That is correct. We will have another opportunity for amendments presentations at the kind of uh, compliance and amendments committee hearing on Tuesday, December 27th. So if you have anything that you'd like to submit in advance, please feel free to do that. And everyone, anyone, any member of the public is welcome to uh, make a presentation. Thanks. Thank you, Member LaHood. Okay. Um, any final discussion on this item before we move on? I'm not seeing any hands, so we'll go ahead and Matthew, I think you went mute. Sorry. Um, and Cheryl, if I could request that you call both parts A and B of item six together. Oh. Item number six A, complaints involving the Sunshine Task Force. Development of procedures for handling a pending complaint, naming a subcommittee of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force as the respondent and potential consideration of standing procedures when a task force committee is named as a party as a party to a complaint. Item 6B, complaints involving the task force, development of procedures for handling a pending complaint, naming the entire Sunshine Task Force as the respondent and potential consideration of standing procedures when the entire task force is named as a party to a complaint. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Um, Chair Smith, I mean, um, Chair, Chair Yankee, if you yes. don't mind, uh, I just noticed a hand raised I might have missed on the previous item. Okay. If you don't mind me unmuting it quickly just to be sure. Sure, no problem. Let's go ahead and do that. Hi, caller. I have just unmuted you. Were you trying to speak on a previous item? I was indeed, and I thought I raised my hand very promptly as Mr. Hillier was finishing. And so I don't understand what happened. Okay, so uh, I, I so have an error and I am making, trying to uh, fix it at this time. Thank you. So are we reopening public comment on item five, the administrator's report? Yes, we'll go ahead and do that. Um, so Victor, when you're ready, uh, we could have this caller provide his public comments for item number five. I would defer to Cheryl. Uh, Mr. Warfield, you ready to begin speaking? Uh, yes, you'll give me 30 second warning, please. I will do my best. 
You may Thank begin. You. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com. Uh, and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. The administrator's report is quite lengthy. I believe the total number of pages is about 112. So the first thing with respect to the listed bulleted items on item 5, I'm not sure I understand the difference between the intention between public communications, which is the third bullet item, and the fifth bullet item, record of emails received. There seems to be some overlap there. And when I tried to search for a heading within 112 pages, I could not find any additional uh, hits. There, there did not seem to be any referral reference to public communications or record of emails within the administrator's report. So I know it's a big uh, thing to put together and you're considering a lot of the details, but I'm, uh, I think it would be very helpful to have either page numbers or exact names of sections repeated when those sections come up substantively. Uh, I believe a member of the public said, talked about not having action indicated. Uh, this is one of those agenda items that isn't the only one, but in any case, it's not clear when it says discussion and action, it's not clear what action is contemplated, what decision is being proposed. And I think that you need to have on your agendas clearly stated what action is being proposed, because whoever put this on the agenda or whoever is proposing something seems to me ought to have a, a basically a notification to the public and to your members what is it that's being decided or agreed upon or what action is being taken. So um, I think that's important uh, for yourselves as well as for the public. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mr. Warfield. Do we have any other public comment? I do not have any additional public comment for the administrator's report. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and, and reclose public comment for item number five, and we will return to item number six, which is what Cheryl had read before we received those public comments. So, um, some members, some background on this. We received uh, in the last month, I believe, Two complaints um, that I think we need to do, you know, figure out how to deal with procedurally. Um, one of which named a specific committee of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force as the respondent. The second complaint named the entire Sunshine Ordinance Task Force as the respondent. Um, just some background on this. Uh, we have dealt with a similar matter when a there was a referral from the Ethics Commission over to us, naming the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force um, as the respondent. And at that time, we moved to refer it back to the Ethics Commission, um, citing a conflict of interest. Uh, this particular complaint was made directly to us, not a referral from the Ethics Commission. So I'm not sure 
while similar if that prior motion and decision is is directly applicable to this um and we you know in a, in a prior meeting we've also dealt with the issue of a specific member being named but again in this case it would be the a committee and the entire task force and so um i consulted with our, our legal counsel on this and dca price wolf recommended that we you know make a formal motion on how to proceed with these matters as a longer term goal i don't know if we, we could certainly you know entertain some discussion on that now or we could wait for our, for another time but i know um and this is something i believe the rules committee kind of had in their pipeline was to actually put into the complaint procedures or our bylaws some type of formal pr procedure on situations like this we don't have to have these come up again and again as procedural questions um, but we're not there yet so i think we need to figure out how to handle these so that we can go ahead and, and proceed accordingly so with that i will open it up for discussion amongst us <laughs> member stein uh, um yeah, it would appear to me just based on our discussion at rules and other discussions we've had that it's just not possible to ethically investigate ourselves or um, uh, what's the word? Not really investigate, but to decide a case against us ourselves. And it seems like the only two entities that we have that are also part of a potential review process are ethics commission and um, the city attorney's office, right? Like uh, they could make a determination that we haven't done things correctly and tell us that uh, we should do it differently. So I, I think we should sort of stay as close as we can to the sunshine ordinance. And it has to be one of those two entities that would review this complaint. Thank you, member Stein. Um, I think we kind of look to, to, to along those lines, look to, um, Admin Code 6735 enforcement provisions, um, which discusses other ways that um, Sunshine Ordinance can be enforced. Um, it does talk about a court of competent jurisdiction in subsection A. In subsection D, it also says any person may institute proceedings for enforcement and penalties under this act in any court of competent jurisdiction or before the Ethics Commission. If enforcement action is not taken by a city or state official 40 days after a complaint is filed. So, um, to your point, member Stein, there are other, um. Ways that a complaint can be handled outside of, of the task force. Mm -hmm. uh, member Schmidt and then member Wolf. Yeah, I, I generally, I. I think that's a position I would agree upon with regards to the complaints against the the group of us um, as opposed to an individual. With regards to an individual, the question would be if that person uh, recuses can the rest of us make a decision uh, about that individual? And I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do think it, it doesn't seem to me to be a conflict kind of issue in the same way as the first question was. 
that's all that's all I'm gonna say about it at this point. Thank you, Member Schmidt. Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, so um, I agree with you, Chair Yankee, based upon what the ordinance says. I, I don't think it's a good idea to involve the city attorney um, as an arbiter uh, for this because it's, it would be one person. We don't know who it would be in, in the city attorney's office, if it was the city attorney themselves or some other unit. They have a code uh, compliance uh, unit. Uh, I just don't, it, it's just not clear to me that that's the, the best uh, way to go. I, I would suggest that, um, well, first of all, one thing is, depending upon what the complaint is, if it's something that seems obvious that we would, you know, not um, necessarily um, dispute and make a correction, then I think it could be managed more administratively uh, than uh, for a full, uh, and we can do it publicly, like, in, in, in a, you know, bring up the item, bring up the subject, you know, and and just see about uh, contemplating our own navel for sake of a better term and, uh, and, and just invoke a correction uh, and do it that way. Um, but if the complainant is dead set on uh, having a complaint uh, be put on the record, then I, I would agree it it would need to go to either the ethics commission or to uh, court. Thank you. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member Schmidt, you still have your hand up. I don't know if you're okay. Um, I don't see any other hands. I'll jump in. I I I, I tend to agree as well. Um, I think that's a good point, Member Wolf. That you know, I think we could certainly be open as a discussion item. Um, to, to see if we, if someone had a, you know, suggestion for how we could improve our process or something that they think that we did incorrect. I think that would be appropriate. I think if they're want a formal complaint with a formal order of determination, um, I don't see that that would be appropriate for us to, to rule on an issue, you know, an, uh, a formal opinion on that. Um, and that's how these were submitted at the time. I mean, I can certainly, you know, if, if the people who submitted those wanted to instead have us. You know, consider them as a discussion item. I, I think that's that's something different, um, and I would agree as well that I think that you know there are, as I stated earlier, other avenues that, if we choose not to hear these due to a conflict of interest, that the individuals can pursue under the Sunshine Ordinance. So this certainly doesn't, you know, if we took an action to to not hear the complaints, that certainly doesn't stop the complaints from being considered by another entity. So, do we have any other further discussion or a potential motion on these two items? Members. Okay, just to get things moving along, I will make a motion kind of what I've heard already. We could certainly tweak it if need be, um, but I will move to just to to not hear 
the complaints filed against the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and or its committees due to a potential conflict of interest and instruct the administrator to refer the complainants to admin code 6735 subsection D for information regarding additional ways to institute proceedings for enforcement. A member will call second that. Okay, I, I got everything up to instruct the administrator uh, for, regarding regarding section. Yep. So to to refer the to to instruct the administrator to refer the complainant to administrative code sixty seven thirty five subsection D for information on how they may institute proceedings for enforcement with other entities. And uh, member Wolf seconded that. That's correct. And I see member LaHood's hand up. So, yes, uh, thank you, Chair Yankee. Um, I had a question. That all sounds good in terms of uh, helping people who do want to file formal complaints. You had mentioned giving an option for if they really are just looking for um, things to be corrected procedurally. Are we going to include that in this motion, or is that something that we will be handled separate separate from this? That's a good question. Um, I, I'm certainly open to including this part of my motion. Um, Member Wolf, since you're the seconder, do you think that would be appropriate? Um, I'm sorry, what was the uh, suggested amendment? Um, so, so Member LaHood suggested that as part of the motion, um, we include the um, suggestion to the complainants that if they would like to submit their um, say complaint again for lack of a better term, but their complaint in an informal matter that the task force could consider an informal discussion on it, but would not be issuing a specific formal order. Yeah, that's fine. I think um, it just if we're going to have discussion on it and then uh, seek if there needed to be a correction, then the correction would have to be an action. And then the question would be, would that uh, action be in the same moment, or would it be scheduled at a, a later time? I think I, I think it needs to be discussion and or action, maybe not just discussion, because if we sought if we did agree that a corrective measure needed to be taken, then it should be taken. Okay, so let me try to, to work on some additional language um, to, to include in this. So, Cheryl, it would be what I already said. Right. And then I would add to it um, and to further inform the complainants that they may submit their complaint for an informal discussion and possible corrective action by the task force, but that no a formal order of determination would be made. Does that sound correct, Member Lohood and Member Wolf? They may submit their okay. Yep, they may submit their complaint for formal discussion. For an, an informal discussion and potential action 
regard uh what's what <laughs> and potential action for corrections that can be made corrections that could be made but that no formal formal order of determination would be made by the task force you might want to listen to the audio and I think I said it better the first time around <laughs> okay no formal well, no formal order of determination will be issued by the task force Okay, um, member Wolf, do you accept those changes? Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I just a point of order, you know, these are 2 independent actions. 1 is for the committee and 1 is for the entire task force as noted. On the agenda, so they should be taken separately. Are we, we, or we could include them. I had intended to include the motion for both a and B together. Oh, okay, because that's then we need to. Our, I, 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 I think our, in case we wanted to consider them as separate items to make separate motions, but the motion I made was for both A and B. I understand that. But usually we would then take action to combine them. I, I understand what your intent is, but the, the way it's on the agenda, it's they are 2 independent actions. Okay, so I will. Um, Member Wolf, as a procedure, I'll just throw out. Do you think that could be part of that motion to combine both items and include it, or should we do a separate motion for that? I think it, it yet yeah, because uh, uh, one is the is the is substantive, the uh, and uh, combining is procedural, so it would need to be independent separately. So I think we would need to take uh, action to combine them first. Okay, um, so Cheryl, please keep what you have written down, but I will, because I'm going to basically reinstitute that motion, but I think we need to procedurally combine these first. So okay, I will... so this motion you're about to dictate will precede what we just wrote? Yeah, so I'm going to actually rescind that motion right now, but don't delete what you have written because... I'm not going to delete anything. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, it's going to be that all over again, but to follow the procedures, I'm going to instead move first that we combine um subsection a and b of item number six for consideration in one motion so that would be my no, first question. i'll second that six a and b yes so it'd be to consolidate subsection a and b under item number six for consideration under one motion and, and that's seconded by member wolf so you're rescinding your original motion Yes, for now. Yeah. Okay. So that's the motion uh, in front of us right now. Members, any discussion on the motion to combine? Okay. Uh, okay. Chair Yankee, as Member Wolf, I would just say I think it's appropriate considering that the same set of issues apply for both situations to just part of the motion no it's my comment oh, okay okay so i don't see further discussion on that so let's go ahead and open this up to public comment and again this is public comment specifically on the motion to combine subsection a and b not the other motion so this is just public comment on the motion to combine and we'll open that up 
Okay, if you would like to raise your hand at this time, uh, you can press star three or otherwise use the application or raise your hand uh, to indicate that you'd like to make public comment. I'm gonna unmute our first caller. Uh, David Pilpel again. Can I just make all of my comments related to item six now and be done with it? Uh, member, I, I prefer you did not in case you wanted to make subsequent comments. So I don't want to preclude you from doing so. So if we could just limit the comments on this to that specific. Okay. I have no objection to combining and I'll hold my other thoughts. Thanks. He's not making public comment. Okay. I'm going to move on to our next caller. Do we have another public commenter? I believe maybe it is me. Or it is I, but I don't know. Are you ready to begin? I am. You'll give 30 uh, seconds warning. I will do my best. You may Thank begin. You. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Uh, we've been around for a while. We've filed a, quite a number of complaints. We've listened a lot. And uh, the two things are different in this respect. Uh, and I just want to draw your attention to that without um, without saying yes or no to the combining. I think the original idea that Mr. that uh, Mr. Wolf suggested would have been better, but uh, the difference between these two things is that with 11 members, you have eight presumably left that could make a decision about a committee's uh, a complaint against a committee, which typically you have with uh, three members, and sometimes there are only two or maybe two present, uh, constituting a quorum. With a complaint involving the entire Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, you obviously can't recuse the entire task force from judging itself, as you could have a quorum of the task force judging a committee uh, when only a maximum of three people uh, would have to be recused. So that's the difference. I also think that this needs to be, uh, well, I guess I'll comment on the substance, but it needs to be something that you ought to be putting into your bylaws and your complaint procedures. And I also think that anything you do should be public so that if if you're going to inform the complainant or bargain with him over which decision he would like to take, I think that should be public as well so that anybody, basically, when, you, when you're considering a complaint, you're doing it in public like with every other complaint and giving the complainant an opportunity to discuss with you the options or bargain with you and have the public hear it as well. Thank you. 
Okay. Through the list, I do not see any other members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this matter at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. Um, we will go ahead and close public comment for that motion. Uh, members, any further comment before we vote on this? And this is just the motion to combine A and B. And I don't see any hands. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, let's go ahead and call the roll on that motion. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Excuse me, we have someone who is making a lot of background noise. Please mute yourself. Sounds like potentially someone in the car. Thank you. Whoever that was, that was it. Thank you. All right, Sean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Member Padmanabhan? Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Hyland? Aye. Member Hyland, aye. Member Hill? Absent. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. One, two, three, four. Eight in favor, one absent. Okay, that motion has passed. We are, the items are now combined. And so now I will go ahead and make that motion that I had originally rescinded, and I will make it again. And so Cheryl, if you could read what you have for that motion. Hang on a second, I'm just typing a note to them. Sure. Okay, I'm just going to read it as we had it originally. Mm -hmm. uh, moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Wolf, to move to not hear the complaints filed against the task force and slash or its committees due to a conflict of interest and instruct the administrator to refer the complainant to Administrative Code 67.35 D as in dog for information on how they may institute proceedings for enforcement with other entities and to inform the complainants that they may submit their complaint for an informal discussion <clears throat> and potential action for corrections that could be made, but that no formal order of determination will be issued by the task force. That is it. And if um, member Wolf, you still want to be the seconder on that? Yeah, no problem. Um, I do have a question for you, uh, Chair Yankee. Mm -hmm. Is this something that uh, will be an ongoing type of rule or just for these particular complaints? I intended that just for these particular complaints. And then I think, you know, to, to one of the public comments that we heard earlier, and I certainly agree with it, that I think this needs to be formalized either in our complaint procedure or our bylaws, but that's going to take further discussion. And I want to make sure that we use, you know, precise language in there. So this is just for the disposition of the pending items so that we make sure we did something within 45 days. Okay, great. Thank you. I have no further okay. comments. So, um, members, any discussion on this motion? And seeing no hands, let's go ahead and open up public comment on this motion. 
Okay, members of the public who would like to make public comment on this matter can raise their hand by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise their hand. I will go ahead and unmute our first caller. Hello, caller, Mr. Warfield, I believe. I have unmuted your line. Uh, yes, thank you. I heard that from the system announcement, but I didn't know. I'm waiting to know what, what, what the next step is when you're ready or whatever. Mr. Warfield, did you want to make public comment? Yes, absolutely, please. And yeah. you'll give me 30 second warning. I'll do my best. You ready to Thank begin? You. Yes. Go ahead. Peter Warfield here, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. And I say these things to mitigate the disadvantage that we have from participating remotely when in a real meeting, at, well, in a real meeting, in, a, in an in-person meeting, folks could communicate with each other in the meeting if they wanted to, something that they can't do when we're remote. Thank you to the chair for recognizing that this is necessary, I think, to be uh, memorialized, certainly if that's your intention, in a clear description in the bylaws and in complaint procedure. But what I think is more important is <clears throat> the publicness of what's going on and also the publicness of any negotiation. This motion does not say who makes the decisions or how they are made and communicated and made public. You're offering a complainant a choice, but who is doing this? I think it would be very wrong to do it as just administrative matter, uh, which basically, as I understand it, would be completely invisible to the public. And I think that the complaint needs to be public, the complainant discussion needs to be public, the willingness of the body, whatever it is, if it's willing to make a change, for example, uh, that's appropriate to fixing or what it thinks is fixing the complaint, I think that needs to be publicly seen at a public meeting that's been uh, agendized just like any other complaint. And I think the public ought to be able to comment as well. Maybe they might encourage the complainant to, you know, fix the thing and let it go at that. Or maybe they would say, you know, have another thought and that is that it's too important, needs to be a formal thing. And I don't know, maybe the body itself might agree that it's important enough, especially if the body is willing to make a change. So I think that all of this needs to be very clear as to who does what, where's the negotiation happening, and above all, I think it needs to be agendized and thoroughly and clearly discussed in public. Thank you. Okay, I will go ahead and move on to our next caller. Uh, David Pilpel, um, I assume now is the best time to make my public comment on item six generally? Yes, Mr. Pilpel. 
Excellent. Okay. So I think that this is uh, a, a good, if not elegant, uh, solution to the instant problem. If this uh, proves successful, then it uh, probably does make sense to codify this, uh, either in the bylaws or in the uh, complaint uh, procedures uh, going forward. Uh, the only other thing I would suggest, and maybe this was what Member Wolf um, already suggested, in the communication from the task force administrator to the uh, complainant or petitioner uh, in this matter or these matters, um, I, I think it might help to have a sentence or two along the lines of if this is indeed a complaint about the conduct of the task force alleging a specific violation of law, then uh, here are some uh, options for uh, ways to proceed, um, et cetera, in the ways that you outlined. Um, if this is solely regarding the task forces um, or a task force committee's policies, procedures, or practices, the task force um, is always open uh, to uh, comments and uh, uh, might review its policies, uh, procedures, or, pra or practices, um, and you know would uh, appreciate uh, communication to that end. So that something like that um, might allow a, a distinction between a violation of law as opposed to you know I think I got uh, cut off by five seconds and maybe in the future you could you know try not to do that or let people finish their sentences or da da da. And if someone expressed that. Um, to the task force, the task force might say, yeah, I think we can probably do it. whatever. It's, it's to draw a, a better distinction between violation of law and policies, procedures, and practices. That was my only thought, and perhaps that's already been captured. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm going to move on to our next caller. Sullivan. Uh, we did hear you. I'm just waiting for Cheryl to give you the go ahead. All right. Did you hear me? Do you hear everything, Mr. Sullivan? I hear you. All right. You ready to begin? Sure. Go ahead, sir. Before the task force, the only path the public has to have an open discussion on issues is the complaint process. A complaint is not punitive as the task force has no punitive ability itself beyond referring a complaint to the Ethics Commission or DA office for possible action. The task force is a quasi-judicial entity which has as one of its primary purposes to inform the city on appropriate ways in which to implement the Sunshine Ordinance and other public access laws. If you look through the lens of to inform, implement, and non-punitive, the task force should be able to self-assess its own actions, actions of committees and members, and take any necessary action. In self-assessing in a complaint, the task force would make clear what it agrees with our problems and to implement corrective actions and adjustments for those issues so they wouldn't reoccur. There may be issues that are disagreed upon or not resolved that need to be handled in other ways. Making, this is an important point, is if the task force refuses to assess itself, there is no resolution of what is agreed upon, what can easily be fixed and taken off the table, and what is still in dispute. 
No self-assessment leaves everything on the table as in dispute, keeps the waters muddy, and will draw out any resolution. The more administrative clarity and resolution from the beginning, the better. The Ethics Commission will not take complaints directly from the public against the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force because they read their charter provisions narrowly and only if an incident falls within certain commissions. It is still a question if the task force sends a complaint that originates with the task force to the Ethics Commission, will they take it? Thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll go ahead and unmute our next caller. Oh, hold on. Uh, yes. I just unmuted <laughs> the next caller. Yes. Okay. This is Lynn Shapilier. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And I'm timing myself, so I don't need a warning. Um, yeah, actually, uh, with regard to the Ethics Commission, I don't think they, I have to agree with Mr. Sullivan, they don't take complaints against the task force because the task force is not listed as one of the commissions over which they have jurisdiction uh, in Charter Section 15.105 A and B, as I said in my complaint. And by the way, Mr. Sullivan has placed a complaint against the committee of the commission and I and the author of a complaint against the, I'm sorry, a committee of the task force, and I'm the author of the complaint against the task force itself. Um, and the file number is 22140. So if you're interested, you can request a copy from Ms. Leger. Um, but uh, the, the, the city charter is what controls here. It's passed by the voters. The voters are the, the sovereign power in any democracy, and it overrides anything contrary uh, in in uh, 67.35B or whatever, um, it, the, the Board of Supervisors cannot override the will of the voters. Not even the state legislature can override the will of the voters of San Francisco when they when those two conflict. So the charter even supervenes over state law. That's not an issue here. That's just a that's just some interesting trivia. I think it's fascinating. Um, I'm totally happy with uh, just an informal discussion. I think my case is so clear and obvious that, that I think you'll just go along with me. Um, and, uh, and if you won't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly no formal complaint procedure would be in order. I'd be, I'd be happy to have an informal discussion, especially because I, I think it would happen a lot faster. I wouldn't have to wait six months for it to come up in the queue. Um, but I will say, that I think this item itself is an example example of of a violation of the section that I complain about the second sentence of 67.7 a and I quote agenda shall specify for each item of business the proposed action or a statement that the item is for discussion only dot 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 end quote none of the neither of the two items under number six um, contains either of those things and so really I think the, the correct thing to do is for the chair to rule this item out of order. And even if the chair doesn't rule this item out of order, any member can raise a point of order against the continued consideration seconds, of the item. Yeah, I said I didn't need that. Um, and the point of order should be well taken. And even if the item is approved, someone can raise a point of order under any time that it remains in force. Also, um, I don't think that you need to actually take action on this it's just a matter of law. Action was taken by the voters in 1999. 
You don't need to put a rule in to, to, tell, to, to tell yourself the same thing. Back to you, Mr. Clerk. Okay, just checking over the list and double checking. I do not see any additional hand raised at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We will go ahead and close public comment on this. Uh, members, any further discussion before we go ahead and move to a vote? And I'm not seeing any hands, so Cheryl, when you're ready, please call the roll. Yep, just a second. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt. Okay. Chair Schmidt, I'm um, Member Schmidt. Uh, could you hear me, Dave? Sorry, I temporarily muted Member Highland as he's uh, he's giving us that feedback. So we can go ahead and take the vote from Member Schmidt, and then I'll unmute Member Highland. Okay, Member Schmidt, was it I? Nay. Member Schmidt was no. Uh, Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Padmanabhan. Nay. Member Padmanabhan, no. Member Stein. Member Stein. Sorry. Um, aye. Member Stein, aye. Uh, Member Highland. Member Highland? Uh, I think we'll need to have Victor unmute Member Highland again. Member Highland, aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, absent. So, two, three, four. I think we forgot Vice Chair Wong. Yes, we did. Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. So, one, two, three, four, five, six in favor, two no, and one absent. Okay, thanks. The motion has passed. Um, I think we're ready to move on to the next item. Thank you, members. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, we'll go ahead and move on to item number seven since it's now past five o'clock. All right. Just want to get my papers together. Item number seven, public comment. Members of the public may address the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force on matters that are within the task force, but not on today's agenda. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and ask that if anybody likes to make public comment at this time, you can raise your hand by pressing star three or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. And this is for, I believe, uh, general public comment. I will unmute our first caller. Hi, uh, this is Wynn Shapilier again. I'm starting my timer. I don't need a warning. Um, 
At the meeting of the Compliance and Amendments Committee on October 25th, staff for the Behavioral Health Commission agreed to cancel future regular meetings of the Commission and its committees if it became apparent that notice had not been posted 72 hours in advance of the meeting. The Commission and its committees have noticed only five regular meetings since this time, but they have already violated this requirement nine times. A meeting of their ad hoc committee to revise the bylaws on November 3rd was also a meeting of their ad hoc oversight committee. A meeting of their site visit committee on November 8th was also a meeting of their implementation committee, their ad hoc committee to draft an annual report, their ad hoc committee to revise bylaws, and their ad hoc oversight committee. A meeting of their implementation committee one hour later was also a meeting of their site visit committee and their ad hoc committee to draft an annual report. A meeting of their executive committee held one hour after that was also a meeting of their ad hoc committee to plan and the annual retreat. Finally, on December 12th, a meeting of the executive committee was held without notice over email. Notices in none of these meetings, uh, none of the meetings of these committees, which had also met at the time of the notice meetings, had been posted on the Commission website in violation of just the provision of the Sunshine Ordinance which Commission staff had promised to uphold less than one month earlier. Even the meetings of the committees and the Commission that had been noticed 72 hours in advance violated other notice provisions of the Brown Act. It seems to be acknowledged that the Commission has never passed, quote, by ordinance resolution bylaws or by whatever other rule is required for the conduct of business by that body, the time and place for holding regular meetings, dot, 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 unquote, of itself and its standing committees and advisory committees. I informed the respective committees of the commission of this fact of each of their meetings on November 3rd and 8th and the meeting of the commission on November 16th. In fact, at each opportunity for the public to address each committee, I reminded them of this violation. I also said that the chair should rule each item out of order because of this violation and that if they failed to do so, any member could raise a point of order against the continued consideration of the item and the point of order should be well taken. All of these warnings were utterly ignored. Since this was the case, is there any reason to believe that things would have been different for a violation of 54954.2A1 than it was for 54954A? Are we going to have to extract promises from staff of the commission not to violate each section of the notice requirement of the Brown Act individually, not only the one we've already have for 54954.2A1, but also sections 54954A, 54954.1, and 54954.2A? If so, what is the difference between these sections that allows the commission or anybody else to sit as a super legislature and decide with which provisions of law one must comply and which, with which not? Back to you, Mr. Court. Okay, I'm just scanning the list and I'm unmuting our next caller. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, is this Mr. Greer? Yes, it is. Hello. Are you ready to begin, sir? Can you hear me? Yes. Are you ready to begin? I am. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, my question primarily, uh, as I am um, uh, intimately involved in the Behavior Health Commission, we've long wondered uh if mr hillier or should i say officer hillier is working in concert with the sunshine task force i'm not sure whether he is a uh, ancillary patrolman or not but uh, we the commission have done everything we possibly can we will be meeting with you again on the 27th to review items um our publications our postings are very clearly noted on our website 
we have date stamps and times, so, which we can discuss and go through each item if uh, we want to do that again at nauseum. Um, we would urge any member of the Sunshine Task Force to please attend one of our meetings so that you could witness for yourself. As you know quite well, Mr. or should I say Officer Hillier has his own particular perspective as to what's really going on. Um, I don't know really what more else to say other than it seems like it's a concerted effort to hamstrung, ham, to, to hobble the effectiveness of an advisory committee. Um, I'm sure I'll see you all again. Have a happy holiday and thank you. Uh, before okay. we move on to the, just one sec, Victor, just um, for the record. Cheryl, please note that uh, Member Wolf needed to step away at 5.40 p.m. Um, and we'll announce when he returns. Okay, I'll go ahead and move on to our next caller. Thank you. Hi there, this is um, um, Stillian. Let me know when I can begin. Just a moment, Mr. Stillian. Are you ready to begin, sir? Yes, I'm ready. Let's go, go ahead. I would like to mention just two things. Uh, first, I'm uh, very impressed from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force Complaint Submission Team, Victor and Cheryl, for the fast response. I'm not sure whether this was based on my previous suggestions during the Sunshine Task Force meeting a few months back, but within two hours after I have recently submitted the online complaint form, I received an email with the complaint number from Cheryl. In the past, this process used to take from a week, from a few weeks to a month. I hope this experience is not just for me and everybody is enjoying a fast responsive service. And second, this is my sixth or seventh session task force this uh, meeting this year. In today's agenda, I see mostly the same complaints, same names and same departments as I saw in the previous meeting. Um, not all, but most of them. I'm not sure whether this is a coincidence or just some people are submitting the same requests over and over again. If that's the case, this doesn't look efficient at all. It looks more like anonymous alcoholic club. Thank you all. That's all. Okay, uh, moving on. I'm going to unmute our next caller. Can you hear me now? Just a moment, David. Okay, go ahead. Thanks, David Pilpel again. So I uh, wanted to underscore my uh, comment from uh, last month that I referred to in the uh, minutes that there, um, uh, I, I have become a fan of hybrid meetings where I don't actually have to appear uh, in person and schlep down to City Hall or uh, elsewhere. I think that has uh, enhanced public participation in local government. Uh, clearly, Mr. Warfield feels differently, but that's okay. Uh, people can disagree about that. In any event, um, I 
sense that some uh, bodies may be moving back to in-person meetings without a hybrid option, and I uh, want to speak strongly against that. The Capital Planning Committee meeting, uh, sorry, the Capital Planning Committee had a meeting this past Monday, is scheduled to meet again this coming Monday, December 12th, and talked about having that meeting on December 12th be an in-person meeting that would have to comply with various provisions of the mayor's 45th supplement. I don't know if that's uh, happened yet or if that will happen between now and Monday. Um, and I feel strongly that they should have a hybrid option, um, particularly with the uh, case numbers going up and the flu and all kinds of things happening in the world. Meanwhile, uh, the mayor's office moved to a new uh, website. It is not easy to find the mayor's COVID uh, declarations on there. I believe there have been no new orders since June of 2022, but it's difficult to find uh, that. Those supplements are particularly uh, important to figuring out what the current lay of the land is. Um, next item, I have seen more instances recently of boards and commissions uh, not responding in particular to my public uh, comments. I don't need a response to uh, my public uh, comments in general, but where I pose a query about uh, procedure or um, law, it's helpful to get a clarification from somebody on that and it's you know routinely no response no acknowledgement um i don't believe there's anything <clears throat> in the brown act or the sunshine ordinance that prohibits uh, bodies from a brief uh, response so long as they don't get into a uh, lengthy dialogue on things that are not on the agenda and it would be good for the task force to reinforce that notion thank you and finally um to the previous uh, uh, speaker some time back who mentioned um, discussion and action. Discussion and action on an agenda, in my opinion, can't always anticipate contemplated actions that a policy body uh, might make or take. And just as an example, the Planning Commission often has uh, cases uh, listed with an address and that opens um, the Planning Commission to taking any reasonable action uh, on the subject of that property or the application that was uh, presented. So uh, you can't always uh, uh, contemplate what action a body might uh, take, and that's why items are often listed as discussion and action or discussion and possible action on an agenda. Thanks for listening. Okay, thank you. Moving on to our next caller. Sullivan. Ready, Mr. Sullivan? Yes. Go ahead. One reason courts cite, cite previous court decisions, case law, is for consistency of maintaining and justifying legal doctrine. This allows legal doctrine to be equally applied to like cases. This is why, in an opinion like Epstein versus Hollywood did too, can include conclusions from international longshoremen and warehouse Union versus Los Angeles Export Terminal Incorporated that has nothing to do with any benefit district. The Longshoreman's case was has a private for-profit entity, Los Angeles Export Terminal Incorporated, claiming that it has no obligation to transparency, but the court found that the government had some role in why it existed and it was serving a purpose or function for the government and ultimately authority by the government. 
This private entity claim was similar to in the Epstein Benefit District formation. The bid formation entity in Epstein is a lot more similar to the Mission Dolores GBD than it is to an export terminal incorporated. These court opinions are jurisdiction opinions. Jurisdiction is based on definitions. They share the same definition in the Brown Act, 54952C, in deciding jurisdiction. They all come to the same conclusion on the Brown Act definition. It is this similar reasoning on, the, on this definition about jurisdiction applied to a private entity by which the rationality and consistency of legal doctrines are maintained, regardless of the names of the entity or underlying violations of the Brown Act. Jurisdiction is about definitions of what entities are included. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you very much. I'm just going to um, clear the queue and ask that if I happen to miss anybody and you have not yet spoken, if you can go ahead and raise your hand at this time, it would be appreciated. Okay, I'm unmuting our next caller. Caller, could you please state your name? Uh, yes, this is Peter Warfield. Let me know when to start, please. You can begin. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. I did not hear my hand being lowered uh, from any system uh, from any system um, message, so I don't know why I'm pretty much last. Or uh, I did. I heard uh, Mr. Young say he was clearing the comments. It's not clear to me when one has to raise hands and when not to make public comment. Um, I wanted to say that, as I understand it, these meetings are recorded. I've heard that at the beginning of meetings, and I think that those recordings which are made and which are public uh, documents should be available to the public. But I've been told by Ms. Legere that as far as she knows, they're not. So I'd like to ask the administration and particularly the Sunshine Task Force to insist on those recordings being retained and made available to the public when the public requests it, preferably in the same easy way relatively easy way as the audio as the audible as the auditory ones are made available uh, and I'd particularly like to see the various perspectives including the support folks namely mr. young what does he see and what is he responding to when he sees or doesn't see raised hands or lowers hands or whatever <clears throat> and the same of Ms. Legere both of whom are supporting administratively this task force. And I'd like to ask the task force to, and the chair to request that these documents be retained and made available to the public. Um, with respect to the backlog, I think uh, one of our complaints was scheduled for hearing today. Uh, I assumed it was a follow-up on a different one. And 
then uh, earlier this week, realized, last week, realized that it was the wrong, looked like the wrong entry, and I haven't yet haven't yet figured out what went wrong. I think the whole way that you schedule meetings, I think, should be reviewed, including whether people are available and whether the item is correctly stated. I think the length of the agendas is unnecessarily lengthy, and I think you should give more time to people than uh, what you have uh, just a few days, for example, the city attorney's 400 plus pages of just part one. And I think that's crazy to expect people to be able reasonably to review before meetings unless you give them extra time. And many of these things are available in plenty of time. Thanks very much. I am checking the list. I do not see any additional hands raised at this time. Uh, for public comment, and I just like to note that all audio recordings are posted on online, and the link is available on our website. Thank you, Victor. Um, so we'll go ahead and close this item since there's no other hands being raised. And Cheryl, uh, when you're ready, let's go ahead and proceed to the next item. Um, I have a request, Chair Yankee. Could we take like a five minute break until like 6 p.m.? Sure, that's fine. Yep, so let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and take a, a break here and we'll resume at 6.01. Thank you very much. Sure.
Sure, you can let us know when you're back. Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Okay. Shorter. No problem. Is everybody back? I think we're all all returning here. Oh. And Cheryl, feel free if you need a, a break in the future, just you know, like you did, just let me know. We only got four cases and then one administrative item to discuss. So maybe after uh, item nine. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll just call it when you're ready. Um, let's not. We don't need to set a timeline on it. So, if you want to do, um, are we ready to get started? I think so. So, Cheryl, if you make uh, do a roll call here to make sure we have everyone back. Okay. Number Schmidt. Okay, I have 6.03 p.m. Uh, Member Schmidt? All right, we'll Just move on. Member Lohan? Aye, present. Member Kamenaden? Uh, Member Padmanabhan? Present. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Wong. Present. Member Stein. Present. Uh, Chair Yankee. Present. Uh, Member Highland. Present. Uh, and uh, Member Hill is absent, and Member Wolf has not returned. I do not see him, so okay. 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 So we have one, two, three, four, five. We have seven, so we have quorum. We have seven. Yes, we have seven at this at this time. Who, who's? Eight would be member Wolf. And nine would be member Hill and he is absent. And member Schmidt's also absent. Yeah, I don't know where he is. Right, so I think that's six. Right? Nine minus three is six. Yeah. Okay, so we have six people, which is still a quorum, but I just want to make it's sure it's still noted. Quorum. We gotta be we gotta be accurate about that. Okay. Shall we begin with the next item? We can begin with the next item. Okay, item number eight, file number two two zero one four. Complaint filed by Sergei Zverinov against Lieutenant Dylan Riley and the police department for allegedly violating administrative code section 6721B as a boy by failing to respond to a public records request in a timely and or complete manner. On October 25, 2022, the Compliance and Amendments Committee returned this item back to the task force for full consideration and noted the following three concerns. One. The respondent did not appear at the Compliance and Amendments Committee hearing, which violates 6721E as an Edward. Two, the police department in their supplemental response dated September 13, 2022, narrows the scope of the records request instead of performing a broader search for records. And three, 
The police department stated that they were able to locate responsive information instead of providing responsive documents and referred the petitioner to the Department of Emergency Management to obtain those responsive records and suggested that the task force consider enforcement mechanisms for full compliance. I can uh, speak with regard to um, Lieutenant Riley not being uh, present. She was uh, transferred to another department. Uh, the new uh, person who handles uh, uh, records requests is Lieutenant William Toomey. I just heard from him this week. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Um, and then let's at 606, please note member Schmidt is being present. 606. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and unmute the participants at this time. Uh, if you are uh, a representative on this matter, you can go ahead and raise your hand at this time. It would be appreciated. Ah, there you go. Uh, Mr. Warfield, I see your hand is raised. I don't think you're a participant in this matter. Uh, Mr. Warfield, I just unmuted your line because you had your hand raised. I assume you're not a participant in this matter. I'm not getting a response to that question, so I'll go ahead and keep that line muted at this time. I'm not sure. Um, my name is Sergey Sarah. I'm not sure how to raise the hand, but I sent you a message. I, I, uh, that... you. I, I, I unmuted you. You're okay. I did unmute another user. Um, that would be possibly myself, Lieutenant Toomey. Yes, got you. You are unmuted. And, Thank you. And able to speak on this matter. Um, uh, Mr. Young, I have a question to uh, the chair. Um, chair Yankee, do you want to allow three minutes or five minutes for speaking time? Um, we'll, we'll do five for this. I'll, I'll explain in a moment. But before I get to that, um, let's just hear a summary of what occurred from the compliance chair. Um, member of the hood. So, member of the hood, if you Actually, can get uh, thank you, Chair Yankee. Actually, I think the summary that we uh, sent to the task force is about as complete as what I would say. Um, so, I don't really have anything to add. Sounds good. Okay. And I think that uh, was the compliance and amendments committee. I joined in and I made that motion. I would totally agree. That's, I think we did a good job summarizing it. So, um, the way this is a work, this is a referral back for enforce possible enforcement purposes. Um, this is not the initial complaint. We, I will allow five minutes for each side, but we're not going to have rebuttals and all that. So it'll be five minutes for each side, and then we, we're going to jump right into our deliberations and or questions if there happens to be any. So that's the way it'll work. So we'll start with Mr. Severinov for five minutes, then we'll have Lieutenant Toomey have five minutes, and then, then we'll discuss. So show when you're ready. Please let Mr. Severinov know when he can begin. Mr. Sarinov, are you ready to begin speaking? Uh, yes. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Um, my complaint is based on section section 6721B and 6721C of the Sunshine Ordinance. On the substance of the matter, SFPD has continuously refused since February 2022 and continue to refuse to disclose records uh, that I'm entitled to under the Sunshine Ordinance and under the California Public Records uh, Act. They also refuse to do a search of multiple police databases, and especially they have refused to do a search of email systems. And they have um, 
also refused to provide in a written statement uh, the existence and quantity, form, and nature of records relating to my records for request. And I have requested such written statement from SPD, SFPD on February 28, 2022, based on Section 6721C. Um, they also have refused to disclose responsive um, records, video records, which they admit they have uh, a custody of. So in the time between uh, the uh, committee hearing on the 25th of September and today, I have re uh, uh, received about 50 emails from uh, San Francisco Police Department, which I have included in the packet. Of them, only three have uh, contained responsive records, which were incident reports. Uh, now, uh, the rest were promises of such incident reports promises of other records and answers to frequently asked questions explaining why they are delaying, uh, which have no um, uh, really significance uh, now that they have um, uh, delayed their, uh, their release of records by about uh, 11 months. Uh, furthermore, on December 2nd, 2022, they have uh, one day, one day after the deadline for submission of materials um, to this hearing, they sent me an incident report 17010400, which says, I quote in verbatim, at this point, we turned on our body one cameras. This is the police uh, officers reporting, and they have not provided their records, yet they understand that they are doing this. So now let me tell you the reason why SFPD refuses to disclose records. It's their base and vicious racism and hatred of immigrants. We, myself, my wife and our two kids are immigrant families. San Francisco and have all been harassed, intimidated, insulted with racial slurs, abused, and racially profiled by CFPD multiple times. We have filed multiple complaints about CFPD with San Francisco Office of Citizens Complaints and Department of Police Accountability over the years. CFPD is known for its racism, anti-immigrant bigotry, biased policing. CFPD officers have authored multiple racist electronic communications uh, that is all have been documented in the press. SFPD is headed by a racist and anti-immigrant bigot Chief William Scott, and its racist and bigoted anti-immigrant policies and practices are implemented in particular by racist and anti-immigrant bigots Lieutenant Riley, racist Lieutenant Frank Lee, racist officers Fillamore, Marshall, Ophir, racist Murphy, and eight racist to me, as many migrants in the city where I live in constant fear of SFPD and are subject to their never-ending harassment. We want to know what SFPD has on us, have been repeatedly victimized, searched, harassed, assaulted, racial profile, discriminated, called racist name. We want to know what SFPD records keeps on us. After three hearings, they have not still refused to provide any information. The reason they, they do not provide this information is obviously is now obvious from the records that they have released. The records that I have released and I have attached to this uh, are in particular uh, incident report 09094930099, which I have attached and which describes officers Philamore, Marshall, and Offer refusing to cite a white American woman because she is a white American woman who has accepted that she, her dog was off the leash and who, and and the officers saw the bite marks on on my on my son's hand. The other example is report one three zero four one one nine nine three, and this is uh, describes that I have called this a PD after an employee of San Francisco University has pulled a gun and incident and 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 have pulled the gun and threatened my six year old daughter with the gun, and they want to cover this up. The incident report then says that I was detained and says that my my complaint was. Not true because USF officer said it's so. They haven't even asked me. This is racist, 
on the contrary, uh, this report, in fact, uh, which was disclosed to me very late, states very in multiple times that the officers see my skin as red. They see my skin as red, and that's what they focus on. It doesn't describe why they detain me, but they say they focus on my red skin. They are racist, they are bigots, they, they should be referred to District Attorney and California Attorney General for their persistent violation of San Francisco Sunshine Ordinance and California Public Records Act. Your time is up, sir. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, we'll go ahead and move to Lieutenant Toomey, who will have five minutes as well. So, show when you're ready. Uh, Lieutenant Toomey, you ready to begin speaking? I am. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Uh, good evening, uh, members of the task force, uh, in response to the items. Uh, first of all, that the respondent did not appear at the Compliance Amendment Committee, as mentioned by Cheryl. Thank you. Uh, Lieutenant Lynn Riley actually separated from the city and county of San Francisco uh, employment on September 24th, 2022, uh, rather abruptly. Uh, I was then placed into the position that she had, and it has come, it came to our attention uh, based on reading the agenda for this meeting. Uh, we came to our attention that uh, we had not been advised as a, a department of anything that was going on with regards to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force because uh, communication was still being presented to uh, Lieutenant Riley uh, and her email. And unfortunately, she was no longer with the department, thus not checking her email. So we apologize. I think we've rectified that situation and now I am in uh, communication with the task force and the clerk so that representation by the department can be there. Uh, in future, uh, with regards to the uh, supplemental response dated on September 13th and the narrowing of the scope of the records request, uh, in reviewing the letter and the responses that we provided, um, it is difficult at times to take uh, information uh, when somebody asks uh, a particular um, contact with an individual. Uh, we have to interpret what they're asking for. Uh, so we try to do an interpretation of uh, any documents that we would use to document contact. Many of those are police reports. When we do uh, believe that they're asking for police reports, we direct the member of the public to our Crime Information Services Division, which is the uh, department, excuse me, the unit within our department that is responsible for the dissemination of police reports. Uh, and so our response did, uh, state that if you were looking for incident reports, we gave them the contact information for that. With regards to criminal history and the request that he had, uh, the, the requester had for arrests and detentions of individuals. With regards to criminal history, arrests and detentions are maintained on the criminal history. Uh, Penal Code Section 11105 states that you, uh, as an individual, have the right to review and obtain your criminal history, um, but it has a very specific uh, who has access to others. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you cannot re request criminal history uh, of other individuals. Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the California Department of Justice have similar um, legislative limits, uh, and we follow, uh, fall in line with those as well. Uh, lastly, uh, specifically number three, which states that you are, we were able to locate responsive information um, 
but that the Department of Emergency Management is the individual or the custodian of records. Uh, that's correct. The any uh, computer-aided dispatch, which is referred to in the police department as CAD, uh, is all run by the Department of Emergency Management. They are the custodian of records. Uh, and we provided the uh, information on how one could obtain those records uh, in the letter dated on the 13th. Uh, the reason that we try to ensure that uh, the actual custodian of record provides the documents that are requested by the member of the public uh, is because uh, there should be a uh, audit of which records have been released uh, to whom. Uh, and in general, uh, the Department of Emergency Management those are their records. We have access to them. We have a read function on them, uh, but we do not control them. Uh, so this, like any other time where we have access to a, a record, but it is not ours to give, uh, we provide the information as to how one could uh, obtain that. Uh, with that, I'd uh, like to answer any questions. I'm, again, my first time being with the task force, I thank you. Uh, so I'm not necessarily sure of the procedures for it, uh, but I'd be happy to answer any of the questions that you folks might have. All right, thank you. And thank you, Lieutenant Toomey, for um, clarifying the issue of why there was no one at our compliance and amendments committee hearing. I'm glad we got that that sorted out and I'm, I appreciate you coming to, to this meeting so that we can work through these issues. Um, so at this point, I'll go ahead and open up to the members. If you have questions or thoughts, on how we should proceed. Uh, Member Lohood. Um, yes, I have two questions for Lieutenant Toomey. Um, so I understand that sometimes people leave jobs uh, unexpectedly. Does the police department have uh, a policy about forwarding the official email addresses to a central email or at least putting a auto uh, response so that people who are writing to that address would know that the person is no longer there? Uh, I do not know if of official policy. I know that I personally uh, sent a request to our IT department. Um, the I, I don't know if they have the ability to send an outgoing stating that the individual is no longer with the department and uh, to direct your inquiries to another individual. So I don't know if that policy is there. I do know that I have uh, requested that the uh, email address stop accepting so that folks who try to email Lieutenant Riley in this case specifically uh, would get a kickback and then hopefully see that as a mm, something is up. But I don't know if there's an automatic, an automated response that could be provided to that. I can look into that and see if uh, we can make that uh, a possibility, especially in this matter. Okay, thank you. Um, my other question, you said that you have access to the Department of Emergency Management records. Um, it's my understanding that if you have access to them, that the Sunshine Ordinance requires that you supply them. Now, I understand your interest in for tracking purposes to have that go through DEM, but it puts a lot of burden then on, it seems to put a lot of burden then on the requester to say, oh, just go ask this other place rather than perhaps acting as an intermediary. And uh, I actually, I'm curious what other task force members think about this, but it, I, I'm hearing that response makes me question things because it seems as though if you have access that you should be assisting the requester rather than directing them to do more work on their own. Um, if I may respond or, yes. or if other task force members wish to, to 
to comment before that. I, I, I would like to respond though. Please. So, um, the main, uh, the main situation with regards to that, I completely understand the idea of access and if we do have access to provide, uh, but. Our staff and our capabilities, we might not necessarily have the specific knowledge of what needs to be redacted for other particular government codes with regards to uh, computer aided dispatch and what is dropped in there. A lot of the times there's information that's put in there that is uh, health related because an individual that is having interactions with the police department is also having interactions with the medical uh, side. There might be an ambulance or a fire engine there. Uh, so the, uh, the desire is to make sure that the correct documents are released to the public, uh, but that information that is uh, not privy to the public or that is guarded or needs to be uh, redacted is redacted correctly. Uh, so, yes, it does add an extra step to obtaining the document, uh, but in all of the requests that we receive for CAD information, uh, we do provide the address, phone number, and hyperlink so that an individual can make that request um, via the Internet as well. Uh, but it is kind of there to safeguard the, um, the release of information that might not necessarily should be released because it's protected from other government codes that, frankly, the San Francisco Police Department isn't probably as well versed as custodians of records for uh, computer-aided dispatch material. I hope that answers your question. It answers my question. Thank you. Thank you, Member LaHood. Um, I see Member Pabinabin's hand up. Thank you. Um, Lieutenant Toomey, um, I um, am a little confused about how you interpret um, some of the requests that were made. Um, do you have the packet in front of you? I, I do have, it's, it's a fairly lengthy packet. I admit I am uh, reviewing it via an iPad, so uh, I'm okay. scrolling as we go. So if, uh, as you bring information up or draw my attention to something, if I take a little bit of a pause, I apologize. Well, well, let's look at page five. Um, and um, there's an, um, there are 25 um, line items there. And um, in terms of interpreting um, how you, you've released a few incident reports, but not all of them. Now, why would you withhold the others and what is the delay? Uh, I do not uh, believe that any, Pardon me one second here, looking at page page five. Um, I don't know of any uh, police reports that are being withheld. So the uh, the well um, the I I got to understand that um, from um, well let me throw that question back at um, the petitioner. Um, how do you think you've received all the incident reports? Uh, no, and actually uh, SFPD, the racist SFPD, even the racist SFPD headed by the racist Scott and represented by racist Toomey have accepted that they haven't released everything. They have uh, sent me since September 22nd, 
uh, which is after the committee hearing on at the beginning of September. They have now sent me 49 emails. Uh, 41 of those emails have arrived before the deadline of the submission to, of the packet to this hearing. The deadline was the 1st of December of this year, which is one week ago. Then SFPD strategically released three more emails to me with one of them containing an incident report and two more containing promises to release uh, incident reports. So what I would like to refer you to is the 40 emails that I have attached to this packet. I don't have to tell to me he, that he is a racist. All you need to do is look at my packet in which I have put all the emails from SFPD and which say we are working on processing your request. This is in their emails and a racist to me is lying through his teeth. He's lying because I'm an immigrant and he and other members of SFPD hate immigrants. He is a liar and a racist. Um, <clears throat> back to you, Lieutenant Toomey. Um, do you know of any documents that are that you're still working on? Uh, I, I do not know of any documents that are being worked on to be produced for this individual. Um, as a as an aside, I just and I don't know if this is necessarily the place for it, but I find and I will not be argumentative, but to be referred to as a racist while at work um, is a little bit disheartening. I believe that uh, I have as much right as everybody else here to not have to engage in a hostile work environment. So I understand the uh, complainants. Uh, anger and being upset at um, the process, uh, but for myself to be attacked, um, it's just a little bit disheartening and I'm, I'm sorry that I, but I needed to bring that up in my own conscience. Right, um, and um, I, let's get back to the, um, the list of um, questions, the list of um, items that uh, the petitioner has asked for. Are there, uh, what, um, are there, did you do any search on for emails or any other um, databases for um, conversations or any recorded um, text messages or anything that you could release to the petitioner? Uh, I do not. I do not know of a email if there was an email search done. I believe that when the initial request came in and the request for records came through, I believe that it was interpreted by Lieutenant Riley to look for uh, police reports that uh, the individuals that he was uh, referring to in the request. Uh, and that's where they went searching for police reports. So if there uh I don't believe that there was a request for emails. Can we do that? We certainly can. Okay. Well, his list of items clearly states that phone and other calls involving or related and um, item number 17 I'm talking about says uh, phone calls um, or, um, you know, other details. So I do believe uh, that he did ask for information beyond um, incident reports. 
item 17 list phone and other calls. Uh, we don't maintain a record of calls based on whom they went to specifically. I, I would, that would be part of an investigative file. Uh, and we searched for investigative files and provided and found that there were no investigative files. So I think one of the things that needs to be kind of uh, uh, brought up is the manner in which we maintain records. Um, if an individual's name is attached to a phone call, it's probably documented in either a police report or a chronological investigation done by an investigator, and those searches were done. So phone calls, we don't keep a, a phone log of, of all of the individuals that we have spoken with as a police department. Okay, thank you. I, I think I've got um, in my information. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you, Member Pabinabin. Um, th this is Chirianki. I have, I have a few questions. Um, and before I get to that, I just want to briefly, you know, request um, Mr. Severinoff, we, we allowed you the five minutes to to make your statement. And, you know, we like we, we may have follow up questions, but I would ask going forward that you avoid name calling and other, you know, direct personal attacks against um, anyone here and, and focus directly on the questions that we ask. Um, that being said, uh, Lieutenant Toomey, um, if you have the uh, agenda packet. Um, attachments. If you can scroll to uh, page one twenty six, and this is part of the, uh, this is the supplement part of the uh, supplemental response that was provided on September thirteenth, twenty twenty two. Page one twenty six. I'm there. Yep. Okay. Um, so I think part, and this is you know kind of to piggyback on what Member Pabinabin was getting to. So. I believe what the initial uh, request was is, is part of the italicized portion here, and it says that I re uh, hereby request that you provide all records about and or related to and or pertaining to and or mentioning and or concerning and or dealing with the following, and then it, it lists you know a variety of individuals and such. And so, um, at least from my own uh, standpoint, and I think this was some of what our concern was in our in the compliance and amendments committee hearing on this, is that while you know. You may want to limit it to something like an incident report and, and not consider other records. The, the request was very broad. And so, you know, that would include any public record that is in possession of um, the police department. That may include emails, text messages, documents in, in you know, file folders or what have you. And I think it's certainly appropriate for you to ask a clarifying question of, um, of the person who, you know, Anyone who puts a, a request like that in to see if they can narrow the scope to help you, but there's certainly no requirement that they do so. Um, so absent them saying, you know, this is specifically incident reports. I don't personally believe that you can make that decision yourself to narrow it. Um, so I would, you know, I would interpret that as an all encompassing any public record. And so if that would be someone got back to their desk and, you know, sent an email to a coworker and said. Mr. Severinoff just called and, and he's you know upset about such and such. That would be a public record and would be disclosable under the request that he made. And so um, and it may take more time, right? We understand that doing such a comprehensive search may take additional amount of time. But I have concerns that it can't just you can't just narrow it unilaterally to a specific topic or set of records you'd like to 
to do. So I think that's my first concern. And then, um, if I if I if I may, yes, go ahead. Uh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I believe that's why the verbiage has been used in the past is that we interpret your request as, uh, and then uh, if we do, and I know that in my short time in the position that I'm currently in, if we get a response back that says. Uh, thank you for those, but actually, I want this as well uh, that we make the effort to provide the information that is requested. But I think that is the reason why uh, we do make the uh, the statement of we infer that your uh, request is for records. So uh, I understand, I that, hope that, Lieutenant Toomey. Yeah. I think part of the concern is that this was you know initially heard by the full task force, and and you know I, I respect the fact that you weren't present for that, and I believe at that. <laughs> First time we heard this, um, Mr. Spiridoff made it very clear that he was looking for any and all records, just as he stated. And then to see the supplemental response again narrow it down, I think is what we found concerning. Um, uh, if, uh, if I may, I since the response no, no, was allowed no. to interrupt, no, since no, no, uh, fair enough, no, no. If, if the response was problems, allowed to interrupt, and you're not allowing me to do this, we if we have questions for you, we will direct them to you. He just interrupted you, and you allowed him to talk, Mr. Spiridoff. Please. You have allowed the, him to talk. Mr. Severinov, we'll have to mute you if you continue to interrupt. Please. Okay. This is biased and racist meeting. This is biased and Mr. racist meeting. Mr. Severinov, ne next time we're going to have to mute you. Please do not interrupt the meeting. Okay. So, Lieutenant Toomey. Um, so, I think that is the concern that we had is that after we went through this the first time, that it was not a full and comprehensive search in all, of all records, right? So um, I think that's something that, you know, Mr. Saranoff's made clear that he wants and that, you know, we want to see have happen, right? That all records are searched for and provided to him regarding that. So it can't just be incident reports. It needs to be any records, any public records in the possession of, of your department. Um, and then to get to um, what member of the hood was talking about, and I, I, I'm not sure this is a question as much of, you know, my, my opinion, so I'll share it here. Um, I'm going to look at um, admin code 6721C, and it says a custodian of public record shall assist a requester in identifying the existence, form, and nature of any records or information maintained by, available to, or in the custody of the custodian. And so, and it goes on a little bit. Um, and so, the fact that it says available to would seem to suggest that if those records are available to you and the supplemental um, response that you provided indicates they are available to you um, that I, I I would see personally an obligation for you to provide them. And it might mean coordinating with someone from uh, Department of Emergency Management to see how to properly redact them. And that's, you know, I understand that, but I don't think you can unilaterally just say you have to go to DEM and place that work on the individual requesting them to make a supplemental request to a different agency. So I think it's, it's pretty clear, at least to me, that those are available. Um, to you uh, and would be required to be turned over. And 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 maybe I. Why is he allowed to interrupt? Why is he allowed to interrupt? Mr. Spinoff, this will be the final I have one. An inquiry. So so I, my question I to you. An, I have an. I I actually I I apologize. I have an inquiry to you as well, just to kind of maybe a, a clarifying question, if I may. Sure, go ahead. Uh, with regards to records, I uh, my my concern. And again, I'm asking as a clarifying question um, is the records that we have from D that are shared or viewed bought from DEM. Um, when we 
they're not certified by us. And when we produce them, they're not considered certified copies. Uh, that would be my only concern is I know that, and coming from my other experiences as a police officer and other and my other other uh, responsibilities that I had, the court system specifically is one I remember uh, that they would request certified copies of CAD dispatches. The district attorneys and the public defenders and the defense attorneys would ask for certified copies uh, so that they could be uh, known to be genuine. And I don't know if there's anything in uh, the codes that require that, but maybe that. And I'm just only kind of okay. Thinking I, out loud uh, I think because I, I don't. Yeah so, yeah, so let me speak to that. I think that's that's a good question. And um, yeah, I'll actually kind of refer to some of my, my, my personal work. And so part of what I do is I work for the recorder's office for Alameda County and we provide public records and they can be certified, right? That's part of the function of a county recorder is to provide certified public records in its in its you know archives. At the same time, those same public records may be also in other city departments, right? The assessor oftentimes requests copies of deeds and so forth and so on to establish changes of ownership. And so if an individual were to come to the assessor's office and say, I'd like a copy of this particular document and they have to have it, they would have to provide it. Now, it doesn't mean they have to provide a certified copy of it. That function is specifically for the recorder. And so I think in this circumstance, if it has to be a certified copy, that might be very appropriate if there's a specific code that says that only one department can provide certified copies to direct them back. But um, I don't see in his request him requesting a certified copy. It just seems to be any copy in your in your possession. And so, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't expect you to have to certify it if there's a specific code that says that only a certain person can certify it. But if you have what you have, I think you'd have to turn that over. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there. I um, open it up to other members if they have questions. And I see Member Abinabin's hand up. Right, this from before. Chair Yankee, I think you're on mute. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so so members, do we have an idea of how we want to proceed on this? Um, I think we've you know had a pretty good. Uh, discussion about what we'd like to see happen, what records we think still need to be turned over. Um, I think we have, you know, a variety of options. I, I, you know, don't like to see it bounce back and forth, but um, if we could get the assurance from the police department that indeed everything that we've now clarified would be turned over, I think that's one option. Um, we could turn it over to the Ethics Commission for enforcement. That's different than a willful violation. Um, but that's another option. My concern with that would be, I don't know if they're going to take the as, as proactive um, hands on approach as we would, since particularly we're so involved in this case and there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, you know, this, from my standpoint, I'd like to do whatever we can to get Mr. Sferinoff his records, the ones that are still, we think, outstanding, you know, to him as quickly as possible. So open other suggestions. Um, Member LaHood? Yes. Uh, may I ask a, Mr. Uh, Sferinoff a question? Mm hmm. Uh, Mr. Sparanoff, would you like, I, I think that we can do additional compliance on this, especially now that we know who the new representative is, who does seem willing to work with us. Um, is, 
is that what you would like? Would you like us to pursue additional compliance to get you the documents you're requesting? I would certainly would like to have an additional hearing and not just by the compliance committee. I would respectfully ask this, uh, this, this, this committee, the whole committee to refer this matter to their attorney general of California to the state attorney general and the district attorney, because this is all willful violation. What is being uh, said here is just um, uh, have to be put in the perspective is that for nine months, nine months, the CFPD have been obfuscating, have been stonewalling and have been refusing to release the records. And this is this, the, the matter that he, that uh, uh, that uh, Mr. Toomey has now brought to brought to this committee saying that he only interpreted this uh, my request to um, uh, include their incident reports. This statement is completely unacceptable. This committee has been through it many, many times. You have all told him that the, uh, the police department has no right to narrow my report, yet they pursue the same line of answering, stonewalling, answering. I think this is illegal. This is racist. And the reason it's being done, because I'm an immigrant. That's why they do it. And I think this is something that should be referred to the district attorney, to the uh, state of California, uh, the, uh, the California attorney general. And I, 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 I would respectfully ask you to, to take this uh, to take this matter. And I, I, I think that the, personally, the chief of police, Scott, should be referred to the ethics committee in the San Francisco. This is what you uh, in your competence to, to refer uh, uh, the chief to the ethics committee. This statement that uh, let Lieutenant Riley uh, was relieved of her responsibilities and therefore nobody has heard about, this is completely laughable. The chief of police is responsible for those matters. That's his personal responsibility and he should be taken uh, to account for this. And uh, lastly, what I want to tell you is that their re report, their reports that they sent to me, incidents reports, they again indicate, as I already said, they again indicate that they have custody of video records. The police officers in the uh, in the incident report that they have released to me say, we have turned on the camera on. This is in the report that I have received, yet they don't want to release them. Uh, thank you, Mr. Sparanov. Uh, Member Schmidt. Yeah, I'm going to make a motion that uh, under 6721E uh, that we decide that the task force shall notify the Attorney General um, and uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's my motion. I'm sorry, Member Schmidt, you said under which section? 67.21E, uh, which actually says that uh, the task force shall notify, so I'm not sure if we can really not do so uh, under law. Okay, so moved by Member Schmidt to refer the matter to the Attorney General under 67. 21E. Is there a second for that motion? Uh, this is Vice Chair Wong. I wanted to just ask for a little more detail. Um, do we want to 
send any recommendation or anything to the attorney general or is there a specific violation that we want to cite? Well, I'm, I'm open to clarification language. Uh, I believe that the statute basically tells us, I, I mean, it, it's the writing of the statute's a little bit odd. It's a shall notify. Uh, it's not, it doesn't completely say, you know, like this is some kind of a referral to do something. It just says shall notify. Uh, and then they make a decision uh, to do whatever they uh, think is appropriate. So I guess um, in terms of um, clarification, I, I would say uh, that the motion be that the task force notify the attorney general of uh, the continued um, uh, failure to uh, respond adequately for the prior order. That I think that's sort of the notification I would want to give. Um, but I'm open to however you want to fill that in. I would just note um, that we'll, if we're going to refer this to a separate, you know, department or entity such as the attorney general or anywhere else, we need to have instructions for either a who's going to do it, um, if it's going to be some task force member who writes a report, or it's going to just be a more general statement that's included in our motion that the um, administrator could forward on, um, which would probably be, you know, the, the faster way to do it. Um, that it's precise enough so that, you know, Cheryl knows if, we, if she's going to send this matter over to someone else, what it is she needs to include in such a letter. Member LaHood? Yeah, I have a question. If we do this, are we continuing to seek compliance within the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force, or are we washing our hands of this and saying this is somebody else's responsibility now? Uh, that... I don't know. This is Chair Yankee. I mean, my concern would be keeping files open after their. Oh, go ahead, Member Schmidt. Um, I I don't know if there's any reason that it is gone, that that it can no longer be acted on. Um, I don't I don't see any reason myself. Why we couldn't continue to work on it. No, I, I, no, the, the opposite. Uh, okay, I think that we could continue. Uh, I don't think it sort of divests us the jurisdiction that would be in other contexts. The the language I would use. I don't think that would happen. I think it would stay with us. But then, technically, if the attorney general were to take an interest. Um, you know, maybe we could, as a matter of discretion, uh, you know, put a hold on it and see what happens. Of course, there's a lot of hypotheticals there, but I don't think that there's anything that a notification means that we 
we, for that reason, we have to stop. Yeah, the, the reason I ask is because my concern is that if we send something off and wait for a response, we're actually delaying uh, uh, Mr. Sverinoff's Especially now that we have a new representative and Lieutenant Toomey showed up at this meeting, seems willing to show up again, and that working together, we might be able to get Mr. Zverinov what he's looking for sooner. I'm not saying not to send it off, but I would like to sort of include in this, you know, unless it's prohibited, I think we should continue trying to seek compliance within the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Otherwise, I think we're going to be delaying Mr. Zverinov getting what he's looking for. I I would say that Member LaHood, that is, I would agree that that would be the most effective way to go forward in this situation for anything to change from the status quo. I agree with that. Uh, I still don't know if it, both the, the statute says that we shall notify and he's asked us to do it i feel myself for my own purposes that i don't think we really have a choice to do that notification i just think that the law binds us to do it but that again i agree with you that you know really like what's that going to happen what's going to really happen here and uh, isn't the actual effectiveness that could happen here going to just be through the compliance committee? I agree. This is Yankee. I'm going to weigh in on this too a little bit. Um, I, and I think it's an important distinction that uh, Member Schmidt made before um, the notifying versus refer, referring. Um, I think notifying is basically saying, just so you know, this is going on, right? That doesn't mean that we are, that there's an expectation that they do something necessarily or that they communicate back to us what it is they're doing it's just an fyi type of thing you know when you're at work and you hit you know forward an fyi right i think that's more of what the notification is which is different than a referral i you know i think we could do we could do a notification and i think you know particularly at this stage you know that i'm not sure that that isn't a bad idea particularly as the way that the, the law is written but I think that's also different from a referral and where we're basically washing our hands of the situation and saying, we see this now as a matter that the attorney general needs to handle. Um, right. So if we think we're still want to be act, I, I, I would caution against a referral to the AG and continue with it because then there's presumably two parallel tracks who may not be communicating with each other, right? Well, oftentimes law enforcement does not get back to the person who made a report and say, hey, this is what we're doing, right? And so if the attorney general is if we're actually referring and you know asking them to do something and that they are doing something we might not know and so um i i have concerns about keeping files open particularly with the 100 and some that we have open now we don't know if the attorney general ever did something and and having that sit in our backlog and and not know when and if to bring it back for a subsequent hearing i think could be troublesome right so i think if we're referring it to the ag i think we should close it if we're just notifying them of it which is the, the letter of the law, I think it makes sense to continue potentially our own compliance track as well. Those are just my thoughts on it. I, I would note that I don't know if there's, we do have an explicit language that talks about notification 
Uh, if it were a reference, say someone wanted to do a referral reference, they would, I don't know where they would go. It, it would maybe be just sort of like, okay, we're just going to refer it. And yet they're not really looking at anything specific in the statute to do so. So I don't know if that's as, um, uh, it, it's certainly not part of the clear dictate of the Sunshine Ordinance. Uh, Member Highland. Yeah, Member Highland here. Um, did Member Schmidt make a motion? Yeah, make a motion, but it was not seconded, and it was not seconded. Okay, all right. I I think you know unless we find a second, we should perhaps curtail this discussion. Yeah, I, if it's not seconded, I'll, I'll withdraw. So that's fine. Um, this is Member Stein. I will second it. Okay. So, as it stands right now, the motion was, I believe, moved by Member Schmidt to notify the Attorney General. And and was there additional? Yeah, there was. It was uh, to notify see, the Attorney General of the continued failure to respond adequately to a Sunshine Ordinance Task Force order. Thank you. Well stated. Better than what I did. No, it was. If I took my notes. Me <laughs> too. Task Force prior order. Sure. <coughs> okay, so that is the motion right now. Mm -hmm. So this is for public comment. Um, do we have further discussion now that we have a, a live and seconded motion before we move to public comment? I don't see any. Okay, I, I do see. If anyone could lower their hands, let's raise just so I know. <laughs> I still see Member Schmidt, uh, Member Hood, and Member Highland up. I'm lowering my hand, but since we had the discussion that this would not that a uh, uh, notifying would not preclude additional compliance work, I have no problem with this motion. Okay. Okay. So no hands up. So let's go ahead and move to public comment on this. Yes. If anyone like to make public comment on this matter, you can go ahead and raise your hand at this time. You press star three or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. I will unmute our first caller. Uh, caller, can you identify yourself, please? Mr. Warfield, I have unmuted your line. Uh, we're not getting a response from this caller. We'll come back to him. I'll go ahead and uh, call our next speaker. Caller, I've just unmuted your line. Sullivan. You ready, Mr. Sullivan? Yes. Go ahead, sir. I see no problem with uh, two tracks, uh, sending it one to the DA up office and uh, and you continuing on. I mean, you're basically more uh, administrative remedy and uh, they're more looking at it from uh, prosecute, possible prosecution or uh, other things. 
that's it. Thank you for your time. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go back to Mr. Warfield. Hello, caller. I've unmuted your line. I believe this is Mr. Warfield. Mr. Warfield, will you please identify yourself? Okay, uh, we're not getting a response. They may be away from the line at this time. Uh, Mr. Young, are there other public commenters? That completes their caller list. Okay. Okay, uh, thank you, Victor. Vote, Chair uh, hang on one sec. Um, so we'll go ahead and close public comment. Um, so I just want to make sure that it's clear, Cheryl, to you. Um, this will be a notification if it passes to the Attorney General. So do you um, want me to read so, what I have? Yes, go ahead and read. Uh, moved by Member Schmidt, seconded by Member Stein, that under 6721E is in Edward, which states that as the task force shall notify the Attorney General of the continued failure to respond adequately to a Sunshine Task Force prior order. Okay, so Cheryl, my question to you would be, does that provide you with enough information to take the administrative action to notify the Attorney General? You should. Okay. Please. Today's discussion is pretty clear. We're okay, going, so we're going to do two things. We're going to notify the AG of what Mr. Zverinov has been experiencing. Uh, we'll give him a copy of the order of determination, and the task force will continue um, its investigation into uh, what uh, Lieutenant Toomey has uh, produced, and will be continued. Will continue to be produced. Okay, so I think we're good. Um, but I got it right. Yep. Um, any further discussion members? Not seeing any hands. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to a vote. Okay, just a second. Member Schmidt. Hi. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pamanabin. Aye. Member Pamanabin, aye. Uh, Member Hyland. Member Hyland. No. Member Hyland, no. Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf, has he returned? I don't believe he has. Okay, Member Wolf absent. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. Uh, Vice Chair Wong had to step away, so she would be absent for now. She is absent. Okay, uh, Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five. We have three absences, five in favor, and one no. Okay, so that motion has failed. Yep. Um, and, and Cheryl, for the record, um, Member Wong stepped away at 6.54 p.m. All right, let me get that. 6.54 p.m.? That's correct. Okay, just to uh, make sure that we don't leave this hanging, I'm going to try a different motion. Um, I'm going to move that we refer this, continue this matter to the call of the chair of the Compliance and Amendments Committee for future monitoring. 
I'll second I'll... that motion, Member Highland. Okay, so moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Highland. Um, second by Matt to continue the matter to the call of the chair to the Compliance and Amendments Committee. Of the Compliance and Amendments Committee for Second. future monitoring. Okay. Um, any discussion on that motion? See none. Let's go ahead and open that motion up to public comment. I'm sorry, I didn't get the second. Was that uh, Member Highland? Yes. yes. Uh, Chair Yankee, this is Victor Young. I just wanted to uh, clarify the motion in that. In essence, you are referring this matter to compliance and amendments for their continuing monitoring. Correct. Correct. Okay. We're keeping but the file open and having it scheduled for a future compliance and amendments hearing. Yes. So, in essence, it's being referred to compliance and amendments. Yes. Thank you. Uh, are there any members of the public who would like to make public comment on this matter? At this time, you can uh, uh, raise your hand by hitting star three or otherwise. Indicating that you would like to make public comment through the application, I will unmute the caller I have in line. And before the caller begins, um, 701, please note that Vice Chair Wong has returned. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead when you're ready. Uh, yeah, good evening. This is Liza Morowski. I'm just curious of why a vote is not going to be taken again when. Um, Commissioner or Chair uh, Wong returned. Why wouldn't you re take a revote on that last motion? I think that's a failure to to the service to the person you're the, to the complaint. I mean the complaint. I mean, why should the vote determine if someone steps away or not? Then you should retake the vote. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our next caller who has just been unmuted. Sullivan. Mr. Sullivan, are you ready? Yes. Go ahead, sir. I just want to point out that uh, Vice Chair Wong um, was the second to that motion that she stepped out on. And I don't know if she realized what was going on, um, but it just seems a little um, screwy. <laughs> Plus, I would say that whenever, um, either way, whether you vote in the affirmative or the negative, it's a, it's a substantive vote. So here you have uh, minority ruling over the majority, and you have uh, well, what is it? Three or four votes that are uh, no votes already against the the um, the, uh, the motion and the petitioner, and so it, that just goes against the California Constitution um, that uh, all uh, you should be broadly in favor of uh, of the. Uh, the rights of the petitioner or open government. All right, thank you for your time. Okay, just going through the list. I um, do not see any additional public commenters at this time. 
Okay, this is Vice Chair Wong. I just wanted to comment and apologize for stepping out. Um, I had a work emergency pop up, but also I, I just wanted to clarify it was not the seconder of that motion. So yeah, that, that last motion was the one that failed was moved by Member Schmidt, seconded by Member Stein. Okay, um, public comment is closed now with no additional hands. Um, I think we're ready for a vote on this motion. Uh, so, are you ready? And can you restate the motion? Yes, uh, moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Highland to continue matters to the call of the chair of the Compliance and Amendments Committee for future monitoring. Okay, thanks. Okay, hang on a second. Okay, uh, Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Pamanabin. Aye. Member Pamanabin, aye. Uh, Member Hill, absent. Uh, has Member Wolf returned? You can call his name just to verify. Uh, Member Wolf? Uh, I guess he has not returned. Uh, Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in favor and two absences. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So that motion has passed. Uh, before we move on, any additional motions? Member Schmidt? I, I'm not going to make the same motion because I I don't think that would uh, be uh, within the rules. I don't the, the motion failed at the time it was made, so I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I I'm explaining that. I would otherwise probably try since I, maybe the votes have changed now, but I'm, I'm not going to make the identical motion again. Okay, any other motions? Last call. I don't see any, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next file. Thank you everyone for showing up for this hearing. Just a second, Chair Yankee. Oh, uh, Member LaHood? Um, can I can I say something about this item since it's going to sure. be with compliance amendments? Um, so I would like to make sure that this is on the agenda for our upcoming hearing on December 27th. So I would encourage um, the uh, respondent in particular, uh, Lieutenant Toomey, if you'd like to get ahead of this and if you are able to do additional searches and send responsive records to uh, Mr. Sveranoff in advance of the meeting, I think that would be appreciated and could move things along a little faster. Um, and uh, please come prepared to the meeting because we will be asking you about the same records and the same questions again. And I think if we can move this along further, um, hopefully we can uh, satisfy his request and get this item off of your plate. Thank you. 
Thank you, Member Lahood. Chair Yankee, are we ready for the next item? I think we are ready, yes. Item number nine, file number 22021, hearing regarding request for reconsideration of complaint number 21101. Complainant, complaint filed by Liza Morosky against the Department of Public Health for allegedly violating administrative code sections 6715 and 6721 by failing to provide meeting minutes upon request and failing to respond to a public records request in a timely and or complete manner. On March 2nd, 2022, the Sunshine Task Force found no violation against Conard House or any individual named at the Department of Public Health. Okay. And let's make sure we have all the parties here so we could do that. I will mute the people who have their hand raised to see if they are our participant at today's meeting. I believe I have unmuted Liza. Is yes, you have. Thank you. And I have unmuted another party who I do not know who you are with their hand. Hi raised. there. This is. Yep, hi there. This is Natalie Poyman with the Department of Public Health. Okay, great. So it looks like we have the parties here. Um, so this is going to be a request for reconsideration um, so that we're all on the same page, um, including both the petitioner and the respondent. I'm going to read a small portion of the um, of our complaint procedure so that we know what it is that needs to be focused on when you're doing your presentation. So it says the petitioner or respondent may submit a request for reconsideration of any SOTF order within 30 days only in cases where new and pertinent information becomes available. The petitioning party must provide the new information, new supporting documents, and a written explanation of why or how this new information should change the SOTF's determination. So I'm going to ask, um, we'll give five minutes to Ms. Morawski, followed by uh, five minutes for the respondent. And Ms. Morawski, I'm going to ask that you focus specifically on the new information that you have available uh, to us for potential granting of reconsideration. So to be clear, this is not a we're not going to relitigate or re-adjudicate the initial case, but only focus on the new information that, that you believe we should consider. So Cheryl, um, when you're ready, please let Ms. Morawski know and she can begin. Ms. Morawski, you will get five minutes to speak. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, so there is no new evidence because this let's first start up with that. This uh, request is 4 years old. The reconsideration took 8. This is 1 of 4. Files I have all that are over 4 years old. 1 in which you have ruled in my favor and have swept under the carpet. This is such a minimal request. It's sad that I'm here because in 2018, you ruled that Connor would have to post and give their minutes. When this came up on March 22nd, you failed to read the report or the documents. You accused me of filing it incorrectly. When in fact, on April 21st, it was filed correctly per Cheryl, your clerk. So that's your error. So whether or not that you know satisfies your reconsideration, I'm not going to waste my five minutes because it is not my error. It is your error. It is a request that's four years old. 
you've ruled in my favor in 2018. You have on file that Conard is contracted by DPH and BHS. And I have proven in the evidence that they have given me minutes before. They're denying me the particular minutes for May of 2019 because evidence was placed to be put in public record that was you know, incriminating to their properties. And I don't know why they would have to give them to me one time and not another time. And that's what we're here four years later about a public board minute meet, meeting minutes that you put me under reconsideration for eight months because you told me I didn't file correctly when in fact the document is right there verified by your clerk. What I don't know what else you'd like me to say. Um, it's clear that uh, the evidence in front of you is all of that. It's clear that Ann Quaintance denied it, saying she's protected. We have already determined that years ago that that's not the case, that they are contracted. Again, 2018, you ruled in the favor. They had to do it. And now here we are four years later. I yield the rest of my time. And I would like an explanation and at least put on record that it has been over four years for Department of Public Health records on case management ratio to client-centered care, a RAD conversion building that now has a lien on it, and four deaths have occurred. So these delays from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force are at the expense of human lives because I can't or no one can obtain public record to protect the residents or to protect the people that are suffering on the streets because the Department of Public Health and is not disclosing the nonprofits case management to case management ratio to client-centered care on all sectors. So I certainly hope that those make your calendar in 2023 and we do not go into a half a decade requesting information from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Morowski. Okay, um, let's go ahead and move on to the respondent. Great. Um, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here today. I am Natalie Poyman here on behalf of the San Francisco Department of Public Health to discuss file number 21101. This matter was heard at the March 2nd full task force meeting and the task force ruled that there were no violations against Connor House or any, or any individual named at the Department of Public Health. Connor House is a, not, a private nonprofit organization who contracts with DPH to provide behavioral health services. The relevant contracts detailing DPH relationship with Connor House were provided to the requester and the task force in March of 2022. In addition, DPH previously tried to identify the responsive Conrad House meeting minutes Ms. Morawski seeks, but we, were, we do not have those, those records within our department. We do not collect our contractors' meetings minutes. Upon reviewing the meeting materials that the task force circulated on Friday, December 2nd, the requester included several exhibits of information. I'd like to take a moment to address each exhibit. Exhibit A. DPH does not refute that the requester had previously asked DPH for Conard House meeting notes. 
Conard House is a private nonprofit organization who contracts with DPH to provide behavioral health services. Conard House is not required to provide DPH with copies of meeting minutes as part of, as part of their contract deliverables. Exhibit B, as the contract materials previously provided to the Sunshine Task Force and the requester detail, Conard House is a private nonprofit whose contracts with DPH to provide behavioral health services. Conard House is not a division of DPH, nor is it a city agency. Exhibit C, in the attachments provided, we did not see documents pointing to the Sunshine Task Force previously making a determination related to the Conard House. As I've mentioned previously a few times, Conard House is a private nonprofit organization that has partners um, partner that specializes in supportive housing and mental health services in San Francisco. And finally, Exhibit D, DPH does not have Conard House meeting minutes to provide. Um, to help answer questions, I am joined this evening by Alex Jackson. Mr. Jackson serves as the Director of Outpatient Services and supervises the Adult and Older Care, um, sorry, the Adult and Older Adult Program Managers who oversee Conard House outpatient supportive housing and, and rep payee programs. Happy to answer questions. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And I would just note for the record, I believe uh, member Wolf has returned so we can mark him present at 718. Um, member Wolf. Uh, yes, just um... As a point of order, um, I, or just point of clarification, actually, have we, um, did we discuss uh, 12L with regards to this matter? Yeah. I believe we did. I listened to the, the tape and audio of this yesterday, in fact. Okay. All right, I'm gonna hold my uh, questions until the deliberation time then, thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. This question is for Ms. Morosky. Uh, I was curious, you mentioned a ruling in 2018, and I was looking for a file, uh, file on some of the agendas in 2018, but I didn't see your name. So I was curious if you have the date um, of that meeting and or order of determination. See if I can locate it. Um... It stated that they had to post the minutes um, in every SRO. Um, I don't understand why you're shaking your head, um, Chair Highland. Um, I, I don't know why I would come here with a falsity. I, would, I couldn't possibly make that up. I don't know any of this is not my expertise. Um, and the question is if they aren't, if, so then they started posting them in the SRO so we knew and then I obtained minutes from Francis every month, except for this particular month. And like I said, this particular month, several residents, we had the um, conflict in uh, conflict resolution team there, and they took flip shots of, or sheets so that each resident voice would be heard on public record. And when I went to obtain those minutes, they have been denied. And I have minutes from June and July, and but for this particular one where the residents produced evidence, none of this made public record, and I've been denied the minutes. 
Um, so, I, I understand that, Ms. Morawski. I was wondering if you could point to me the decision being made by the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force that you mentioned, though. The, uh, if post the meeting, it says that we're obtained obligated to post the meeting publicly in 2018. This isn't even my wording. So, as well as all supportive service residential housing treatment facilities and transitional housing and entities under Conard Inc. and Conard Mental Health and Jordan Inc. meetings twice a year. Um, I unfortunately I I don't know where that request is. I and that's like 2018. And then are, are you reading from a, a document that you're looking at or? That's part of an exhibit that I, I presented to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Okay, and then is that a new piece of evidence or is that part of the old packet? <clears throat> this was all of the combined ones after I was told um, because the last meeting on the 22nd, it went it didn't go through because I was told that I didn't file it through the Department of Public Health. And that's why it wasn't voted on when, in fact, it was actually filed correctly. Um, so, like I said, there's no new evidence because the error was not done by me. It was properly filed. And that evidence includes previous minutes. It includes the fact that Connor denied, and then it proves that we already went through the L contract thing and the L nonprofit, and they do fall under that umbrella. And then it indicated that they had already, they had to post minutes twice a year. And then it also shows that I've received minutes from them, but then this particular month they said no. And so that is what drew the original complaint why I can't get these minutes. I, I don't know how to be answer your question any further because that's the evidence I had. Okay, um, thanks. I will try to look through our orders of determination to see if I see anything else, but as of right now, I don't see it in our agendas. So uh, no further questions. Here. Perhaps you could check 2008 17 perhaps i had it wrong okay i see um member highland next yes i member highland here so miss morowski i did check 2017 18 19 and 20 i just don't see any order determination uh, i do see in the full task force meeting in march that we ruled no violation i think what you're referring to is when you came before my subcommittee eot and uh, we had a lot of material that should not have been in the file and um you were talking about one thing dph was talking about something else and that was not the matter that was before us so i asked that you go back and restate what you want from whom you want we'll put it to the top of the list that was my last instruction yes there were things in that file that should not have been there um but you know just as what's happening right now right before us there's a lot of conflating of different things from left and right and last year and 2018 going on. So I'm, I'm really trying to sort this out. We can help you if we have clear instructions and clear requests. Um, so, and I hate to do this, but, you know, we are looking at a reconsideration. There is no reconsideration here. There is no new evidence. You've said it yourself. 
Um, I really need, I really think <clears throat> that your requests, uh, your last request that I heard at EOT needs to be reset carefully. I know Ms. Leger has gone above and beyond to help you to try and sort these things out. Um, the exhibit you posted um, has no material information in there. There's, there's nothing, there's no ODs, there's nothing there. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, um, we, we'd, love to, we'd love to help you. No, no, that's not a question. We'd love to help you. It's but, not a question. Um, it's a statement. I spent no, no, hours. Ms. Browski, I'm not asking a question. I'm making, okay. I'm making a statement for the for the panelists here. So well, if I, someone else has a question for you, they can. But I'm just trying to help clear this up for everyone else that's here. Um, and uh, you know, I know Ms. Leger has gone above and beyond to try and help you categorize this. But you know, in the packet, and I asked earlier, we don't even have the original uh, complaint here. There's really nothing for us to work off. I mean, I, I just don't see, you know, this needs to be sorted out apples to apples, and then we can look at it. But at the last task force meeting in March, we voted uh, no violation. So that's that's in the record. Thank you. Thank you, Member Highland. Uh, Member Wolf. Member Wolf, I see you twice, but both of you are muted. Oh. You see me twice? I see you now. now. Now I can hear you. Yep. Okay. You're in your uh, voice, but I can hear you. All right. Something, something happened. My phone just decided to reboot and kick me off. Um, so I, I just, I'm a little confused. I'm looking at the... Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, submission for the request uh, for reconsideration. Can somebody tell me what page that's on? Cheryl, is that information you have? Did you put that in here? Um, 22021 or something was the reconsideration file. And that reconsideration request would have been in there. What page? I mean, it should be at the top of the file. I, I didn't. Victor, do, can you speak to that? Uh, give me one moment. I'm trying to find it. Uh, the problem is everything was an email with back and forth emails, and it's not very clear. And when I was reading it, um, but wouldn't a bit would, Let, give me a moment would, i'm going to try to find it okay um, i'm but, just wondering don't we have would that have been through a, remember, a regular well, I, I, I form? <laughs> so it looks like it was based on an email page three it's it's very tiny so you have yeah. to zoom in but there's an email on march 13th that says good morning cheryl can you please review this and ensure that it comes across clear to board members if you think that it's not clear enough can you please tell me what i should add or if it's too much information that i should subtract please process my request for Reconsideration of my hearing, March 2nd, 2022. Here's my rebuttal to the SOTF ruling on March 2nd file. And, and then there's okay. information that follows. It's just a little confusing as to, because I'm, I'm not quite clear what the, what the reconsideration is for. Um, that's why. So I just wanted to get some clarity on that. And again, that was on what page, please? Uh, that's PDF page three of the first attachment. And it's, it's okay. small, so you're going to have to zoom in on it. Okay. Got it. Thank you so much. 
Uh, Member Stein. Are we still in the question period, or can we sort of also? This is both Thursday. We're not. This doesn't. Get, this isn't like a normal <laughs> period. So if you need to want to deliberate, we can go right into that. Okay, because I have a kind of lengthy. Like I really tried to think this one through and 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 where I stand on it because I think it is kind of a complicated case. Um, but you know, two things I want to well. Several things I want to say, you know, for me, this request for reconsideration hinges on what's being called exhibit C and D exhibit C is this idea that Con Conrad house was instructed before that they have to post meeting notice. Post meeting notice to me means that when you hold your 2 public meetings a year, you must post notice that you're holding these public meetings. It's not the same thing as requiring that they post minutes. Of those meetings, and so, unless there is some other determination or, or evidence that they were told that they had to post their minutes, I'm not seeing that anywhere, but I do believe they were, they have to post notice of their meetings. And so I think there might be some confusion there. And then exhibit D, this idea that petitioner has been given minutes before, which means that then Conard House is obligated is not. Um, a logical conclusion for me either. They may have been, Conard House may have elected to give minutes. That doesn't mean that they're obligated to give minutes. Um, and so I, I see that distinction. So I was going to say, you know, my position on this reconsideration is that, um, you know, there, these documents that we were given or the argument we were given doesn't really speak to or provide new information regarding the fundamental issue in the case. Which is that city policy directs organizations like Conard House to hold public meetings twice a year, but doesn't really specify that they must completely conform to the public records and meeting laws that other city entities have to conform to. So, you know, city policy under SF Admin Code 12L4, which we did discuss in the first case, really doesn't have anything to say about whether agendas and meeting minutes constitute public documents subject to sunshine laws. Um, it does require the disclosure of certain public records related to financial information. Um, but it doesn't specify that these organizations are the same as city entities and subject to public records and meeting laws in these, you know, two public meetings per year. Um, so, you know, not, not to kind of get too lost in, in the weeds of this, because we have already looked at this case, you know, they, they mandate certain records, public records from nonprofit, but only certain records. Um, and I think there's no reason why these public meetings shouldn't give the public um, the same rights they have in any other public meeting, um, especially since most of these nonprofits are financed substantially from the state and perform services on behalf of the state, but that's not what the current administrative policy says. So I, I really think we should include a recommendation to change this policy in our annual report to the Board of Supervisors. Um, you know, any organization that receives substantial funding from the city should probably be subject to open records and meeting laws with respect to mandated public meetings at the very least. But the way that the admin code is written now, they say yes, public meetings, but only certain information is really, you know, still public and it doesn't seem that all the public meeting laws apply. So I think that needs to be made very explicit. So, um, you know, I think at a minimum, if groups have to hold two public meetings a year, these meetings should be treated as meetings that are subject to sunshine laws, like any other public meeting. And then there's a broader argument we could make that entities that are substantially funded by the city perhaps should be 
uh, subject to sunshine laws as well. But I do think that this would this would require a change in city policy, a change in the SF admin code. But this is something that we could recommend um, to the board of supervisors. And so I'm glad this case has really brought this problem to our attention. But absent a change in policy, I don't think these records are pub are public or that meeting minutes um, are mandated to be disclosed. But I am willing to personally write this recommendation in our annual report. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Member Stein. Um, Member Wolf, is your hand back up? Yeah, it is. If we're now deliberating, I thank you. Um, so I agree with, um, for the most part, with Member Stein. I think um, you know uh, there's some good suggestions in there. Uh, but one thing we do have to remember is nonprofit organizations that receive funding from the city to provide services may not be 100% of the work that they do. It may be 25% of the work or 50% of the work. They have other funds or they raise money to do other services and things like that. So, you know, those um, items or those activities are generally uh, not governed by uh, local municipalities. Uh, uh, nonprofits in California are governed by uh, state law, uh, which are uh, 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 oversight and enforcement are applied by the attorney general. Uh, their uh, monitoring of their uh, registration is through the uh, Board of Equalization and the Secretary of State. Um, so I, I think if there's any question as to, I think I think the way 12L is written is because it has it, that's kind of the limit. I think there's a there was a limit that the city could ask for certain things, but beyond that, it goes into, for instance, kind of like the personal business of that entity, and so um, so I think at this point, you know the, you know, as Member Stein rightly mentioned and and others that under 12L, there's you know a limit. It's a member whatever general meeting for the election of the uh, board of directors and uh, a second meeting that usually might be and include a financial report uh, you know about the services that they're being funded for um, but beyond that there's not much more that the city uh, can ask for uh, so i think really this is kind of looking at the confines of the that of our confines of the law that we um, uh, can uh, 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 seek uh, seek through that that is kind of the most of it. Now, I will be honest; I haven't checked through the California Public Records Act to see how California nonprofits are um, applied through there. I, I don't think there is that much. Um, and I did not check through uh, the uh, corporations code uh, because it's not um, it's not really applicable for for us because our scope is specifically CPRA uh, when it comes to public records. So it's kind of long and short of it uh, for me. I mean, I think I think if there's any more investigation that needs to be done. It's got to be done by the uh, attorney general that oversees how nonprofit activities. That's it. Thank you. Can I just respond briefly? 
which is that, you know, my ideas come from having looked at freedom of information laws around the world. And there are many places where if a nonprofit is getting substantial government funding and performing services on behalf of the government, um, that public access laws can be made to apply to them. I'm not saying we do it here, but I'm saying that's a principle that's being used in freedom of information law around the world. But I do think that at least, at the very least, if we're going to have to you know, mandate two public meetings a year, they probably should be treated the same way any other public meeting would be treated in terms of the applicability of uh, you know, open access, you know, public document and public access rights to those meetings. And I, at the very least, I would like to try to write a policy recommendation to that effect. Thank you, Member Stein. Um, I'm just going to kind of give a, a, a quick reminder here that, that we have to kind of keep on topic the way this is agendized as a reconsideration, which means mm -hmm. our discussion should focus on whether new evidence was presented or whether or not that, that new evidence supports a reconsideration. I think there's a lot of good ideas here, but I don't want to get too much off with the agenda states, which would be more of a discussion of, of policy and potential proposals, which we can't really discuss under this agenda. Item. Um, so I, I, I'll make my comments. I, I you know tend to agree here with with um, what was said earlier by everyone. Um, I think you know the this really needs to focus on what new evidence was presented, and so there was a series of exhibits, mainly. Um, as member Stein stated, exhibit C and D. Um, exhibit C talks about, you know, the fact that, that meetings have to be posted. I don't think that's, you know, new evidence that, that warrants reconsideration. Um, exhibit D talks about that meeting minutes were provided in the past. Again, I don't think that that, um, as member Stein, you know, I think articulated very well, doesn't mean that there's some type of obligation going forward. Um, so I think there's some good policy Discussions that can come out of this, and I think would be great for um, our future, um, either our, our um, you know, maybe compliance amendments committee or annual report. I think there's a lot of great ways to do it and to have those discussions. As far as this case goes, I'm just not seeing new evidence that would support a reconsideration. We have any other members? Are any motions on this? Um, this is member Stein. I can make a motion that we deny the request for reconsideration based on the lack of new evidence. Okay, great. So moved by member Stein to deny the request for reconsideration based on a lack of new evidence. This is no. member Padmanabhan. I can second it. Okay, great. So we have that seconded by member Padmanabhan. Any discussion on that motion? And I'm not seeing any, so let's go ahead and move to public comment. Yes, if there are any members of the public like to make public comment on this matter, you can press star three to raise your hand at this time, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. I'm gonna go ahead and unmute our next caller. Caller, I've unmuted you. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I have unmuted the caller, but they don't appear to be responding. 
Okay, I'm going to go ahead and come back to this caller later. I'm going to unmute the next person. I'm just checking in for the next matter. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Okay, I'm going to go back to our previous caller. Caller, you've been unmuted. Okay, we'll try again later. Hello, caller, you've been unmuted. Hello? Hello? We can hear you. I leave you to Cheryl. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell because everybody was getting, can't hear you. Uh, I don't really, I guess my comment is simply from a consumer point of view. And that is, it seems simple to me and it seems ludicrous that it would have to go through some circuitous bureaucratic path to provide service to consumers of a mental health service that are receiving case management. That if a company is subcontracted by the Department of Public Health, a city agency, where all others have to make and, and provide transparency, if predominant amount of your funding is coming from the city, why wouldn't you have to show reports? Why wouldn't you have to show the minutes? Why wouldn't you fall under the same uh, uh, monitoring system that, that, that other agencies are that are contracted or receiving Department of Public Health? It just doesn't seem rational. It seems it's just, I, I, I have no, I, that's all I can say. It doesn't make sense you would not require a contracted company to provide transparency. I mean, if that's the case, let me sign up. You don't have to know what I'm doing. That is all. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna try one more time for our previous caller. Hello, caller. Uh, Pete, I apologize if I've unmuted you and you've already spoken, but uh, I've just unmuted the caller. Okay, moving on. Hello, caller. You've been unmuted. You can. Sullivan. Cheryl, are you ready to time? Yeah, I am. I was just getting ready. Yeah, go ahead, Mr. Sullivan. So, I don't know. I didn't have read the contract, but also, if it's like the standard boilerplate city contract, the city uh, owns all work product done by uh, entities that it contracts with. So, Department of Public Health can get any records that are um, not obligated to get records if they're asked for them. Um, as a, you know, constructive possession. Um, the other thing is, is it sounds like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about reconsideration on this, but it sounds like uh, she's missing a record from a previous order of determination, and that is a follow-up uh, problem. And that's a problem that I think Sunshine Ordinance Task Force has in general is following up on um, 
making sure that people are getting their, the records. And if they haven't gotten them in five days, uh, then uh, it needs to be uh, moved on to an appropriate um, agency or ethics commission. Um, thank you. And I think actually the public health department is, uh, or the public health commission is also this contact, but it is in the ethics commission uh, code. All right, thank you for your time. Okay. I'm going to try one more time. Hello, caller, you've been unmuted. Well, hi, this is uh, Alex Jackson. I'm with, the, with DPH and public health and so um, and behavioral health. So I just, I don't really have a comment. Um, I was just here to answer any questions. Thank you. Okay. I believe that is all of the public commenters, but if I happen to miss you, if you can go ahead and raise your hand again, I would appreciate it. You can press star three at this time or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. Okay, I believe that completes our public comment. Thank you, Victor. So we'll go ahead and close public comment on this item. Uh, members, is there any last discussion before we move to a vote? And I'm not seeing any hands. So Cheryl, when you're ready, please call the roll on this. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Padmanabhan. Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five, six. Eight in favor, one absent. Okay. Thank you, parties, for coming. Um, we'll go ahead and move on. In fact, um, Cheryl. Since you'd asked before, and it's been a couple hours, why don't we do another quick five minute break? And okay. then we'll go ahead and when we come back, we'll finish up the meeting. All right, great. Thank you very much. Sure. Okay, so we'll be back at what time is it? We, I have uh, 748. Yep, so we'll say, we'll say uh, 755. We'll start. Start.
Okay, it's 7.55, so if you're back, if you could turn your cam on so we know you're here. And Cheryl, are you back? Yeah. I okay, am. great. Sounds good. Okay, so I think I at least see a quorum of everyone. So why don't you go ahead and call the roll? Member Schmidt. Member LaHood. Present. Second. Member Palman Avon. Present. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. Present. Member Stein. Present. Member Highland. Present. Uh, Member Wolf. Present. And Chair Yankee. Present. Member Stein, I mean, Member Schmidt. Okay, we'll say Member Schmidt is absent as 657. And when he comes back, I'll, I'll try to announce it. At 757. Yeah. But we have a quorum, so we can continue. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, let's go ahead and move on to item number, it looks like we're on item number 10. Oh, and I see Member Schmidt now at 757. Okay. Item number 10, file number 21126, complaint filed by Stillian Bizanski against Deborah Liu, an Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. For allegedly violating administrative code sections 6724, 25, 26, 27, and 29, by failing to respond to an immediate disclosure request in a timely and a complete manner, failing to keep withholdings to a minimum, failing to provide justification for withholding, and failing to provide an index of record. On November 11, 2021, the complaint committee found that the task force has jurisdiction, the requested records are public. I refer the matter to the task force for hearing with a request to consider a violation of government code 6253 C as in CAT and to remove violations of 6724, 25, 26, 27, and 29 from the complaint. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And do we have the complainant and respondent available? Good evening. Um, Deborah Liu is here. From the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. Okay, thank you, Ms. Liu. And do we have Mr. Bajanski available? Yes, I'm here. Good evening. Great. Okay. <clears throat> so we have both the petitioner and the respondent available. Um, so let me give a brief rundown of how we're going to conduct this, just for those of you who are new and, and may need a, or may need a refresher. Um, each side will get um, five minutes to present their case. Um, 
We'll also have an opportunity if either, either side has other parties or witnesses to provide information. They'll have three minutes each. Um, after they present their cases, the task force will have an opportunity to ask uh, questions if they need it. We'll then move on to deliberations where the respondent will begin for three minutes, followed by the petitioner. We'll then move on to deliberations and have a motion. Um, so it looks like this case here started with the complaint committee. So I will turn it over to complaint committee chair Schmidt to give us an update. Yeah, I, I really don't have much to add. Uh, the, the, this and the next case involved the, the treasurer and I believe that treasurer is, um, they're pretty responsive to requests. Uh, and you you probably be able to see that in the file. We, we thought that there was a possibility of a sort of, I'll call it a limited violation uh, in this case uh, due to a, not a huge delay, but some delay. Uh, I think this idea of asking for an index is, it, it's somewhat confused because it's asking for something that is not what the provision for an index uh, is looking for. Um, I'll, I'll ask the other members of the, the committee, what, what do you think? We should report on this if, if if there's anything else that you you think people should know about. Uh, I was not on the committee at the time. Okay. No. Uh, this is Member Stein. Uh, just to mention that the mayor's order suspending the timeliness portions of the Sunshine Ordinance were in effect during this particular case. Okay, thank you, Member Stein and Member Schmidt. That was helpful. Okay, so Cheryl, I'll turn it over to you to let um, Mr. Bazanski know when you are ready for him to begin. Sir, are you ready to begin your testimony? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead. Okay, I have two things. Um, first, I'm not sure what you have been told while you are growing up, but I have been told that if you want to do something, you do it or you find excuses. This is my fifth or sixth complaint this year towards the tax and treasurer team. And so far I got nothing but excuses and not a single attempt to follow the guidelines of um, 6254C and section 64, uh, 6254K of the California Public Records Act and Article 1, Section 1 of the California Constitution. Some of the excuses that I heard so far are not good software that can process the privacy reduction, not enough people in the department to handle the request, the petitioner submits too many requests. The petitioner request contain a lot of information which takes longer to process and the petitioner requests information which is already public. And second, I have submitted request 223702 back in June 24th. 2022, as per the guidelines of the government code 6254C, the maximum load time to comply with this request is 24 days, which means the due date was Monday, July 18. Since the file was still open on July 19, 22, I decided to proceed and open a complaint with Sunshine Task Force. 
Now, um, I suspect that we heard that complain back uh, sometimes in August or something like that. I'm not sure why we are hearing again. There is another complaint with another ticket, which I don't see on today's agenda, but it's still open. And I'm more concerned about it than about this particular one, because probably it's already closed. And somebody mentioned about the longer breed ordinance about the timeliness. I think it only applies for the immediate response. I don't think so. It overrides the California and public's acts. Um, I'm not sure the mayor have such power to overwrite um, uh, California constitution laws. Thank you so much. That's all. Okay, thank you. And are there any parties or witnesses to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? And I don't see any additional hands. So we'll go ahead and move over to the respondent, Ms. Liu. Um, sure, when you're ready, please let Ms. Lou know that she can begin. You ready, Ms. Lou? Yes, I am. Thank you. Go ahead. So, the tax collector's office, TTX, received the request um, for emails uh, with a specific description as set forth in the complaint on September 9th, 2021. This was during a time of COVID. This is during the time where the mayor had the proclamation, understanding that we were in a state of emergency. So when um, we say that there were, we were affected by COVID, we were, we were very short staffed, but we did everything that we can, that we could um, to address the PRAs that we were receiving, not only from um, this petitioner, but from others. Um, regardless, when, the 10th day fell on a Sunday. We understood that we got the next business day, which is a Monday, which is 11 days. But from my research, um, and I was only able to find CCP section 12 and 12B, which gives you under the Code of Civil Procedure, um, the next business day. We also researched to see and found nothing under holidays or Sunday uh, under the State uh, Public Record Act and we only saw uh, an unrelated uh, ordinance um, that makes it so that a meeting um, of the sunshine, if the date falls on a holiday, would be the next business day. Regardless, uh, I believe that we do get the next business day and that our documents would be timely. We, um, we did inform the requester uh, the next business day that disclosable documents existed. We diligently worked on this PRA and uh, stated under the mayor's proclamation that we estimated the uh, production date to be October 15th. If we had invoked the 14-day extension period, our deadline would have been October 4th, uh, and we actually produced all the documents on October 5th, which was 10 days before our estimated deadline at the time that we responded that we did have disclosable documents. As indicated, there were multiple uh, staff whose duty it is to work on PRAs that happen to be out on leave and otherwise unavailable. We did hire somebody uh, on October 18th, which was after the production date. So it's not like we weren't working diligently and trying to solve the predicament that we were in. 
the PRA was not a IDR. Uh, it was not um, the documents that would be uh, readily available or, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember the language right now, uh, but we said that we would handle it as a regular PRA, a standard PRA, and we did. Um, our argument here is that the requester, we mentioned the mayor's proclamation, did not uh, understand it, and we rightfully extended the deadline. We did everything on time. We were producing documents. Uh, 950 of them had to be reviewed on time. Uh, we completed the production uh, diligently and as soon as we could. I don't know if it makes a difference, but Anonymous seemed to uh, agree with our timing um, and our understanding of the law. Uh, if that means anything, maybe yes, maybe no. I have nothing else to add at this time. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Liu. And are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? No. Okay, and I don't see any hands. So, members, um, this matter is now with us to ask questions if we need clarifying information. <coughs> Member Highland? Uh, Member Highland here. Is it just me or is this file coming out hard to read and make sense of? It looks like it's repeated three times uh, and there's no real information in here. I mean, I'm kind of struggling with what's in our file here. Anybody else? It is a little hard for me to follow, Member Highland. Um, if it helps, I, I think there's a clear printout of some of the next request. It appears to be something like that on page 20. It doesn't require you to flip the page and everything. At least for trying to follow some of the dates, it's pretty short here. Thank you. I guess I, I have a question for, for Ms. Lou, and this is Chair Yankee. So I am looking at page 20. And this is looks like a response that was provided on September 20th. And it says it, it you know, it, it's um, to the one on September 9th. But it says that it will respond with non-privileged public documents no later than October 15th of 2021. But when I read um, government code 6253 subsection C, part of it says, no notice shall specify a date that would result in extension for more than 14 days. So it seems to me that October 15th would be more than 14 days beyond September 20th. So I'm just trying to figure out how it is that you don't find that date of October 15th to be too far into the future to yes, request an extension you. to. Under ordinary circumstances, you would be correct. However, because of the mayor's proclamation, it says the mayor orders the following changes to be made to the emergency. First, it discusses IDRs. Um, then it discusses deadline for agencies to respond. 
city agencies are not required to provide copies of documents within 10 calendar days or within 14 day extent, uh, extension of time. Instead, they must be responding, um, you have to give an estimated date as to when the agency will make the records available. And this initial response can be brief. So that's how, that's how we responded. I mean, we had one employee, one, to handle all of these cases. And the mayor realized that. This is a state of emergency that we were in at that time. Right. Um, so, so my understanding is that the mayor's proclamations and emergency orders suspended certain provisions of the Sunshine Ordinance. But the government code, which would be the overriding law if the Sunshine Ordinance weren't in effect, is what I just read from. So that would be state law. And I don't, and not to get into the deliberation part of this, but I'm failing to see how the connection can be made that the mayor can suspend a state law. Because San Francisco, I understand, is a chartered city, and these are local concerns, and that you know, you'd probably have to talk to a city attorney about this specifically, but it's my understanding um, based on other areas that because we are a chartered city, we can uh, preempt state law, even though the general law is that state law would preempt local law. Now, um, I, again, not to get into the, Am I misunderstanding? I'm sorry. Right. Now, I, I believe that the, the abilities is, is, is being you know, a charter city allows us to provide more restrictive things, but it can't go the opposite direction. It can't throw out parts of the CPRA and say, we're just going to make it 30 days or 90 days or something like that. And there are parts of the Sunshine Ordinance that are indeed much stricter than the CPRA or the Brown Act, but we can't go the other direction and say, no, we're going to make it much looser. Um, and I think that's the concern for me, at least as I read this case, but I'll stop my questions there. I think, you know, we, we understand, I understand where our disagreement is. Um, and I'll leave the rest of it for when we get to deliberations and see if any other members. Okay. Uh, well, I apologize. Questions. I relied on the mayor's law. You know, right or wrong, that's what we thought we were following and we were supposed to follow. Okay. So I'll turn it over to the other members. And I see member Schmidt. Yeah, this is not a question of witnesses, but. Uh, Member Yankee, I think you're you are on to something uh in terms of a, a legal issue that is a little bit hard to um answer. I believe that the mayor would not be able to do anything to change uh you know the application of state law. So the question is not whether the mayor uh, did did somehow. Uh, well, let's see. The, the 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 question that is presented by Ms. Liu is an important question, which is if it's a charter city, uh, is this a local municipal affair therefore the charter city law can actually override uh the state law now i'm not sure if an order of the mayor would 
be able to override a state law in that situation. But that's different than whether the Sunshine Ordinance could 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 um, alter, say, like in the case of certain uh, exemptions in the state law, could the Sunshine Ordinance alter those exemptions? That's a question. Sometimes, is it a municipal affair? Therefore, the charter is superior in a way. I think here. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know uh, the answer as to whether they still needed to follow the deadlines of the state law, because the way the mayor's order is worded to them, it seems like the mayor's giving them some ability to say, hey, look, the mayor said it's okay. And so it's, it's, I, I don't I don't know the answer to this, and I think that in a way they did rely on good faith in good faith on what the mayor had said. It's not necessarily an answer, but that's just sort of the way I view the issues on this. Thank you, Member Schmidt. I guess as a follow up to Ms. Liu, can you point to an? Um, and it looks like it's on page, starts on page, I'm sorry, one moment here. It's lengthy. Um, starts on page 21 of the PDF file that's attached. Which section of the um, emergency proclamation you are referring to specifically that you believe exempted you from the state law deadline? You're gonna to have to give me time on this one. That's okay. Um, uh, Chair Yankees is member Wolf. Uh, what page were you on? Um, it's it starts on twenty one, but it goes all the way to twenty nine. Right, twenty one out twenty one to twenty nine. Twenty eight. There's no page number size. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the bottom right hand side. It says. Item 10, page 29 of 151, that's the final page of it. I mean, I'll, I'll just read the part that I'm looking at that, that kind of makes me concerned. And this is the final paragraph. This is, I mean, it looks like there's an, a nine at the bottom. If you look at the, the bottom right, it says SOTF 1207-2022, item 10, page 29 of 151. And this is part of the proclamation. And as part of item number eight, and that's the final paragraph. The final sentence of that says the purpose of this paragraph is to align city law with state law to the extent any provision of state law regarding means of public bodies or public records is modified or suspended by the governor in the exercise of his emergency powers. And so that seems to me that the mayor was essentially saying, you know what, we're going to suspend the sunshine ordinance. And if the governor does anything with the CPRA, then we will follow along with that. And so that doesn't suggest to me that the city is making its own new deadline, but rather saying, we're gonna to defer to the governor. So unless there's some type of additional proclamation from the governor that, that extended this deadline, I, I'm, I'm not seeing where that is in this proclamation. I, I'm sorry, I think I see Amber Stein's hand up. You're, you're exactly right. It's the, the city chose to suspend the Sunshine Ordinance in certain areas, and this was one of them. 
and to have state law or the whatever the governor deemed uh, to be active at that point. And Member Stein, <coughs> oh, I think Member Stein, you're on mute. It's part of the problem. That is part of the problem. <laughs> there you go. Okay, now we hear that. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm looking at the proclamation, the mayor's fifth supplement right now, because I, I seem to remember that there was a specific reference that that um, the extension, the uh, abolition of sort of the time limits uh, did not extend to affecting the CPRA in any way. And so if you look at like page eight of the fifth proclamation, it says the requirements of Admin code 6721A and B, right, which are our timeliness um, sections that the city agencies comply with requests for inspection or copying of a public record within 10 days following receipt of the request or provide a written justification for withholding the record within 10 days. And then it says in that section, the foregoing sentence only addresses those deadlines under the Sunshine Ordinance and does not affect the city agency's obligation to provide an initial response to a requester within the timeframe set forth in the California Government Code Section 6253C. And there are, I think there are other places too where it makes it clear that this is not just, that this doesn't change the CPRA requirements. And we did respond timely. I mean, we did say that we have documents and that we, it was the production date that we put out. Mm -hmm. But even then, it was only one day past had the time, had we did the 14 day extension. So, yeah. you know, if you're gonna knock out and tell the mayor that, you know, the law is bad, then we're late. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of unfair to us because, you know, we think, we would think that the mayors are, you know, is the mayor and can and can can tell us this is what what you do under these circumstances and in this state of emergency. So I think it would be duly unfair to to hold us to you know a standard where you say uh, you you should have ignored the proclamation and uh, followed you know. Here, Yankee, you're muted. We can need you to respond to the questions, but not re-present again. So if you could point us to the provision that you said you were looking for that specifically you felt extended that, I, I, I'd be interested in that, but not a, a representation. Mm, okay, keep looking, Ben. Okay, so A is the initial response. Well, while you look for that, I have a question for Mr. Bajanski. And my question to you is, it sounds like, you know, while we determine whether or not there was a, an issue with the actual deadline, are there any records that you still need? Or is this case at this point mainly focusing on the deadline issue and the time it took for you to receive them? 
Yes, uh, this particular one is, I think, already closed, but I have the same issue with another uh, open request that pretty much okay, the I don't same issue, that... even worse. I mean, yeah, okay. it's going to pop up again in the future, so mine is all to decide it now. So we don't go again, again, again. But... Well, okay. we have to each handle each case separately, so I don't want to confuse the issues. So just for this particular Yeah, absolutely. File. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So for this particular file, you've received all the documents, the, the, the contention or the issue that you have is that you received them beyond the deadline. Is that correct? That is correct. That's a timeliness issue. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure that, that there weren't outstanding records that you still haven't received. Okay, Ms. Liu, have you been able to locate that provision? Not yet, but I'm sure it's here. You know, I mean, you have the document. If you can find it, you know, it's it's the document is what the document is. Right. I, I've read it and I can't find it, so that's why I'm somewhat confused. Um, when you said that there seems to be a new deadline for that, because I, I can't find that in that document. Oh, it's wherever it says that we're supposed to give the estimated date. I mean, if you want, we can continue this hearing. No, no, there's no need to continue the hearing. Um, I mean, that's at the bottom of page twenty-eight. There's seven subsection A, but that's the sub that's the part that that um, member Stein read, and again that defers to state law. So yeah, I, I I agree that uh, what member Stein read does make it clear that they're not trying to mess with the continued application of what whatever the state's going to require. And so, in this case, um, I don't know, maybe it comes down to whether 11 days is a violation that we want to uh, make a citation of because it's one day late. Well, um, Member Schmidt, that, that's an interesting point because that gets into whether or not Sunday counts. I guess my concern, if you go back to um, page 20, was this the response that was given on September 20th? And the last sentence says, we are continuing to review the documents and will respond with non-privileged public documents no later than October 15th. And so that's give or take 35 days, right? And, and um, government code 6253C says that no notice shall specify a date that would result in extension for more than 14 days. So it's really 35 versus 14 days. So I don't even think we have to get into the is a Monday versus a Sunday or anything like that. I think clearly 35 is well beyond the 14 days contemplated under state law. Good point. Good point. Yes. Thank um, you. Remember well, there's, you, know, you were actually copied. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, if the, if there's a man, members of the sunshine ordinance task force. So you would have been copied with this memo from um, John Gibner, Paul Zarevsky, Mandu Prahan and uh, Deputy City Attorneys, Brad Lucy, uh, dated March 30th, temporary modifications of the public record law during COVID. Is this part of the packet? No, not part of the packet. But this would be, uh, you know, what you would have been, um, I don't know, I don't think instructed, but uh, advised of. Uh, the interpretation of that proclamation. 
Did you want to read it into the record for us? The, the part that you believe is relevant to your case? Sure. Um, the mayor's orders made the following changes during emergency immediate disclosure requests. City agencies are not required to respond within one business day to requests for immediate disclosures of public records. Agencies that receive immediate disclosure records must respond within 10 calendar days plus applicable extensions in the matter discussed below. Number two, it's actually another bullet point. Um, deadline for agencies to respond to record requests. City agencies are not required to produce documents of records within 10 calendar days of a request or within 14 day time period. Instead, city departments must respond to requests that deadline informs the requester whether disclosable records exist and the reasons for that determination and to provide the requester with an estimated date when the agency will make the records available. The initial response may be relatively brief. Third bullet point, duty to provide records. Even though the agencies are not legally required to provide records by a specific deadline, agencies still have a legal duty to provide records promptly, if possible, unless there is a legal basis for withholding the document. But during the emergency, agencies may be unable to provide records as quickly as usual because employees responsible for accessing and searching the records have been redeployed or are staying at home in compliance with the stay at home order. Agencies are not required to order those employees to return to work to search for records, but agencies should make reasonable efforts to provide records to the extent feasible. So based on that, we responded with one employee that we thought we would need until October 15th and we worked diligently. So, like I said, it was, it was the spirit of the law that, that we were following. All right, thank you, Ms. Liu. Uh, Member Wolf, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I, you know, the analysis is brought forth by a city attorney, unless it is a legal opinion that has the weight of law, it, it's purely a guideline and um, I'm not so sure, depending upon the date of that one and the, the dates of the various proclamations and updates that were coming through, I'm not sure that there's alignment there because um, as you were pointing out, um, Chair Yankee on, um, what page was this? Uh, yeah. the bottom of uh, page 28 of the mayor's fifth proclamation that member Stein also brought forward. It's very clear in there that it's, it's very clear that it says um, it doesn't affect the city agency's obligation to provide an initial response to requester within the timeframe set forth. Okay. As far as um, uh, going forward, um, the only thing that's applicable is the California Public Records Act. The mayor basically said, I'm suspending the local law. We're just going to let state law apply. And however, the governor was going to manage that would then be 
the, uh, the rule of the day. So while I understand the analysis that the city attorney brought forward, I don't know that they, they could, you know, uh, controvert it, 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 you know, what the proclamation was uh, stating. I think it was a suggestion. Uh, well, nobody raised okay, issue. Uh, Ms. Ms. Lou, Ms. Lou, that wasn't was a question, please. Uh, I'm gonna need you to wait to respond unless you one of us have a question to, for you. It's not fair to Mr. Bizanski, who's not been jumping in that to, to give you that extra time. So, yeah. Member Wolf, did you have a question for Ms. Lou? Yeah, no, I, I was just responding and I apologize if it was out of turn here. I, Kind of not clear if we're done with the question and answer period. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that we should maybe consider moving into the deliberation phase here. Yeah, um, well, so, we need rebuttals, don't we? Yeah, I was going to do rebuttals first. So I was going to say, unless anyone has any additional questions, I'm going to go ahead and let rebuttals begin and then we can deliberate. Um, Member Schmidt, I see your hand. Is that just left up? Um, I'll, I'll save it. Uh, I was just going to generally. Um, Agree with what uh, member member Wolf just said. That's okay. All. all right. So let's go ahead and move to rebuttal. So, um, Ms. Lou, you'll begin. Um, you'll have three minutes, and then after you, we'll have Mr. Bazanski give his three minute rebuttal. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, um, please let Ms. Ms. Lou know when she can begin. Ms. Lou, are you ready to begin? Yes. Thank you. You may begin. Okay. The proclamation that we were looking at. Um, starting on page 20 of 151 is the fifth supplemental uh, fifth supplement to the mayor's proclamation declaring the existence of a local emergency dated February 25th, 2020. Uh, there could be the language of no production prior to that. The supplement just adds to that which has already been proclaimed. The memo that I was referring to that the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force was copied on uh, is dated May 30th, uh, 2020. So it came out after this particular proclamation. Um, I just want to reemphasize that we did everything that we believed we were supposed to do. Uh, the, if the day fell on a Sunday, you get the next day. Uh, we were, we contend that we were timely, that we responded immediately um, as soon as we could, and there was substantial compliance. We acted within the spirit of the law. We uh, didn't unnecessarily withhold any documents, and we immediately have closed that request uh, with the production of those documents on October 5th, 2020. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And um, let's go ahead and move on to the complainant, uh, Mr. Rajansky. Um, so when Cheryl's ready, she'll let you know. Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready, sir? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead. So um, my request, the, the one that I explained were different dates. I'm not sure I was talking about dates in July and then it appears we are talking about different um, different uh, ticket, uh, different complaints. But anyway, um, it appears that the 
it's not about one day. It's uh, over 10 days over the deadline. We're not talking about 24, 25 days. We're talking about 35 days. And um, it, it sounds a good idea to check with maybe city attorney or uh, maybe check with the mayor um, whether they have the power to um, over, override uh, government cult. Um, it's... Um, it, it, it says clearly, I think, in the emergency proclamation that um, um, the whatever um, withholding, uh, withholdings or whatever it, it has to be done within the uh, California government code. So, which again, uh, to my understanding, give gives a guidance of twenty four days, and um, that's pretty much it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so members, it's now with us to deliberate. And member Wolf, I see your hand up. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm not, I'm not necessarily um, in agreement with um, the respondents' interpretation that the city, because it's a, a, a incorporated chartered city, as the ability to override state law the the way the cpra uh, works is it's a little bit in reverse except that uh, it allows a municipality or a local agency to create more transparency and and more efficiency and speedier responses uh that it, but it doesn't have the ability to as you were saying before, make things more lenient, uh, so to speak. Um, so, like, for instance, <clears throat> in state law, it states that you have 10, that agency has 10 days to respond uh, with a 14-day extension. Uh, the Sunshine Ordinance makes it more stringent to get faster, more expedient response by removing the 14-day extension. It's only a 10 day turnaround. Uh, the CPRA focuses only on agencies, while the Sunshine Ordinance focuses on agencies and individuals who are custodians of records. So, you know, these are our, our uh, enhancements uh, that are allowed by uh, state law for municipality. So, um, the, the uh, fifth supplement, and I believe many other supplements thereafter uh, reiterated that the uh that there was going to be a suspension of the time frames of the sunshine ordinance and that the city was going to rely on the governor to uh make determinations uh as to uh how public records were going to be uh, managed and uh in that the time frame uh, was not changed uh, for the entirety of the pandemic as we know it until that rule rule was lifted and uh, the mayor had reinstated the sunshine rules. So, you know, it, it count count the days based upon that, I think, and uh, and uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate if it was. Uh, if the city attorney's response uh, to the proclamation was not clear or maybe incorrect, 
but what matters more is what the proclamation says, because that has the weight of the law. I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member Schmidt? Did I see Member Lahutu? Was that a, a wave to get in the queue? Oh, okay. <laughs> Generally in agreement. Uh, I The way I see it is the mayor never said you can disregard state law. I, I don't think that was ever said. In fact, the mayor specifically cited that that wasn't being messed with. That wasn't being challenged in any way. Uh, however, to me, the city attorney's advice was wrong. Uh, the city attorney's language was, was vague. It was too loose. Unfortunately, Ms. Liu uh, got that language, complied with what the city attorney said was okay. But nevertheless, in complying with what city, law, city attorney says is okay, she probably, uh, she missed the state deadline. She missed the state deadline. So you rely, this is an instance where you rely on your attorney's advice at your peril. And uh, this, what the city attorney says here has no legal effect. It's just advice. What we need to be concerned about is what the mayor said in terms of finding where the actual law is. That's my reading of this situation. Thank you, Member Schmidt. Um, I don't see any other hands, so I guess I'll jump in here at this point. I, I, I'm in absolute agreement with um, with both you and Member Wolf. I think it's unfortunate that the memorandum issued by the city attorney um, to, to me seems inaccurate, um, particularly without some type of citation to some type of you know executive order that that would have changed that on on the state law basis. And and I can't find any that did. Um, as we've been talking, anything that would have modified it even on a temporary basis at the state level. Um, so I think the law is pretty pretty clear on this, and I think it's you know it's unfortunate that 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 advice went out, and I don't fault Ms. Liu and her department for following that advice, but nonetheless, that's not what, as far as I can see, the state law says, and I absolutely agree that I don't see any way that the mayor could somehow suspend a state law. I, I just don't think that there's that type of um, jurisdiction that the city has, no matter if it's a charter city or not. Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, I I I'm, I found the uh, city attorney's um, memorandum, and it's a memorandum. It's not a legal opinion. Um, and here it says. On February 25th, 2020, the mayor proclaimed the local state of emergency due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The governor also issued a statewide declaration of emergency. Both city and state have issued uh, stay safe at home orders to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 during the emergency. Then it says the mayor issued two supplementary orders on March 13th and March 23rd, suspending the select uh, provisions of the Sunshine Ordinance during the emergency 
due to the impact of due to the impact the emergency is placed on city's ability to respond to public requests. Okay, so it's not applicable to the fifth um, to the fifth supplement at uh, the fifth proper proclamation at fifth supplement um, because um, that was February twenty fifth. Oh no! Wait a second. Nope. This goes on twenty March sixteenth. 21st hold on i want to make sure i get this right the the 13th and the 23rd okay hold on where is that uh 19th march 21st the morning governor issued executive order on march 18th report what date was that this was was this order made the fifth one here march 23rd okay it's okay so it's correct i'm sorry so that, that's correct all right i just want to make sure it was in alignment with the right uh proclamation so there in the second bullet and this is where um ms lou was uh reading from yeah i i can't uh, really understand how they construed this from the um, from the executive order, uh, I, I mean from the uh, proclamation, because I, I don't I don't know where they're referring to in the in the proclamation to get that information from. They they don't like cite a, a paragraph or a bullet item or a location uh, with regards to that. So. Um, I'll stop there for a moment. I may have something as I finish reading through it. Any other members? I'll jump in really quick. I, I'm wondering if there isn't some ambiguity in the state law because it says each agency upon a request for a copy of records shall within 10 days from the receipt of the request Determine whether the request in whole or in part seeks copies of disclosable public records in the possession of the agency and shall promptly notify the person making the uh, making the request with the determination and the reasons therefore. So there might be, and then it talks about the extension, right? So it might be a thought that all that needs to be given is a notification within 10 days or then within a 14 day extension versus the actual records themselves. Um, but that that would seem like a inappropriate read because why would you if once you've you know determined that you have records that are disclosable I don't see how one could then argue that you can set some random arbitrary date sometime in the future when you'll actually turn the records themselves over. Um, oh, but that might be why there's a little confusion. Well, the ration, Mr. Chair, if I may, the the, the rationale is is that. If it takes you 10 days to do the research to see if you have the records or not, and then once you find the records, if it's not like something simple that you can just send out fairly quickly and you needed an extension, it, the, the time frame could not then extend more than 14 days, but the response has still has to be within 10 days. So no matter what, it can't exceed 24 days total. So if they if they picked it up on 
on day three of 10 and said, well, we're going to invoke an extension. Uh, the extension can't be more than 14 days. So at that point, it'd be total of 17 days. No, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, I wonder if it wasn't a misinterpretation saying that they think that somehow the state law only required an additional notification 14 days later, that they could do 10 days for the initial response, which they did. You could argue they were 11 days. And then thinking that hey, we can set any, you know, time we want because we already told. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to figure out how that memo would, would be written that way. Nonetheless, I'm not sure it's really applicable here. Yeah, I, um, I, again, again, going back to how, what member Stein had had pointed out on page the bottom of page 28, I think you did too, number 7A, it's very clear there exactly what the intent of the mayor was. Yeah. So um, are we at a point for a motion here? I don't want to belabor the points here. I think we're kind of discussed this and are at a place we need to be for a motion. I'll make the motion. I I think the time on this is is uh, it's really moving. Um, I'm gonna just find a, a motion to find a um, one violation, which is the time violation that we were just describing. Um, uh, so technically. Uh, I, I, I move to find a uh, uh, delay in violation of uh, 6253C um, in in production of records. So uh, just to move for just the finding of the that delay under that statute violation. Okay, so the motion would be moved by Member Schmidt to find a violation of government code. 6253 C for a delay in providing public records. Is that yes. Okay. So that's the motion. Do we have second. second. Okay. So seconded by member Wolf. Cheryl, do you have that motion? Yeah, second. Kind of said it a couple different ways. Okay. Find a <clears throat> let's see. Dean moves to find 6253 C. A uh, violation of 62353C uh, for delay in production of records. Yeah, that's what I have. That's what I have. Okay. Who's going to second? I was seconded by Member Wolf. Member Wolf. Okay, do we want to open it up for public comment? Yes, I don't see any additional hands from the members. So let's go ahead and move to public comment on this. Yes, there are any members of the public who would like to make public comment at this time. If you don't mind raising your hand by pressing star three or otherwise indicating through the program. I'm not seeing any additional hands being raised at this okay. time. Thank you, Victor. So we'll go ahead and close public comment. Uh, members, do we have any final discussion on this before our vote? Member Schmidt, uh, I'm assuming your hand's not for additional comment. Okay. Member Wolf. Yeah, just real quick. Um, if you, I think it, 
it's an important point uh, that the mayor makes in this uh, proclamation in the very last paragraph. I'm not going to read any of it, but basically, it basically says that, um, you know, we're suspending, you know, everything locally and we're going to just follow whatever the governor does. Um, and I think that that's really the crux of the matter here. I, no matter what the city, how the city attorney analyzes it, I think what we're reading is correct. Thank you. Okay. All right. I think we're ready for a vote. Cheryl, when you're ready. Amber Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Padmanabhan. Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, absent. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two. Eight in favor, one absence. Okay, great. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next file, which I believe are the same parties. Um, so we'll just try to jump right into this one here. Um, this one also looks like it went to the complaint committee. So Cheryl, I'll have you read it, and then we'll have member Schmidt give a summary of it. Okay. Item number 11, file number 22084, complaint filed by Stillian Byzantsky against Deborah Liu and the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721 and 6725 and California Government Code Section 6253 CS and CAT by failing to respond to an immediate disclosure request in a timely and or complete manner. On August 16, 2022, the Complaint Committee moved to find that the Task Force has jurisdiction, the requested records are public, and referred the matter to the Task Force for hearing with a recommendation but there is no violation. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what our our thoughts were on this one. Uh, it seems like they were pretty meticulous in uh, picking out the exempted records, and uh, they they did. Uh, I thought myself pretty. Pretty good job uh, over at the treasurer's office of responding on this case. So we recommended a finding of no violation. Uh, uh, members, uh, Stein and Wolf, do you have anything to add on that? Don't. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, let's go ahead and get started. So when the complaint is ready, um, Cheryl, if you could let him know, and we can get started. Uh, sir, are you ready, Mr. Bozanski? Yes, yes. Go ahead, sir. Um, for this particular complaint, I, I'm not uh, prepared, so um, it's pretty much looks the same as my previous complaint, so we can maybe combine them, or uh, but it raises the same issue um, about timeliness as far as I can see. That's all. Thank you. Okay. Um, and... Are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? No. I don't see any hands here. So we'll go ahead and move to the respondent, Ms. Liu, uh, when you're ready. Um, uh, are you ready, Ms. Liu? I am, thank you. Go ahead. 
I really don't have much to add other than what's already set forth in um, my response to the complaint dated August 3rd, 2022. Uh, this was not an IDR because it wasn't simple, routine, or readily available. Um, the deadline fell on July 4th. Again, I believe we have the very next day to respond, next business day, which we did in fact respond and continue to respond and produce documents. Um, we had two uh, legal assistants working on this. I think the uh, total was 71 hours for uh, reviewing uh, an estimate of 1,500 responsive items. Uh, they spent 14.1 or two hours a week on this. Um, we worked diligently. We were able to close it the day after we drafted the response to uh, the complaint. Um, I just don't see that there's a violation in, in uh, what we have done at all. Uh, you know, we worked diligently, we worked as hard as we could. It wouldn't be fair just to work on one case. Uh, we kept the, uh, we, yeah, we just, we, everything's in the response. This uh, was properly handled um, as a standard PRA uh, and under the CCP 12 and 12B. That's the only section we can find that addresses when the deadline, how to count days and when the deadline fi uh, falls on um, a weekend or holiday that you use the next business day. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And are there any parties provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? No. All right, and I don't see any hands. So we'll go ahead and, and move to the question phase. Members, do you have any questions on this item? Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, Ms. Liu, I'm looking on page 7 of 28. Um, it has the number 2 marked at the bottom of the page. It's a uh, facsimile of the um, next request, uh, uh, which is, I believe, the original request. Um, I think it says June 24, 2022. Um, it says here I'd like to make I'd like to make an immediate disclosure request production of all emails, so on and so on. It, you're you're saying that it was a regular request? No, um, I don't. First of all, I, page seven of one fifty one. Let me see. Page no, no, no. Page seven of twenty eight. Seven of twenty eight. Yeah, you're looking at the previous. Uh, okay, I see. Yeah, we're on twenty two oh eight. Okay, wait, I closed it out. I gotta find this again. Hold on, I'm sorry. No, it takes time. 11 attachments. Okay. Huh, can't read it. It's too small. But go ahead. Uh, right. So so it it says it says I would like to make immediate disclosure request production of all emails 
within the IT something department that contains the following, quote, Baransky, Baransky unquote, and or, quote, like looks like 26 or 28 Allen, unquote, and or email address. And then it gives an email address at gmail.com between May, looks like 4th or 7th, 2022 and June 23rd, 2022. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. So I, you had testified that you were uh, claiming this to be a regular request. No. And not an IDR. I'm sorry, let me rephrase. Okay, so in our response on August 3rd, 2022, um, it says on paragraph Roman numeral two that we received on June 24th, uh, 2022, uh, a public record request from Zazansky. Uh, he labeled his request as a IDR, and on the same day, uh, TTX legal staff asked IT to pull the responsive documents. Um, approximately 1,500 potentially responsive items, including emails attachments, were produced. Uh, although the requester labeled it as an IDR, the request did not meet the requirements of an IDR because it was not simple routine or otherwise readily answerable as required by uh, Section 6725A. So on that same day, we responded to um, the requester uh, that it did not qualify as an IDR and that the request would be handled as a standard public uh, record request subject to the normal applicable 10-day response time with a possible extension. And then we said we'd be in touch with him no later than July 5th. And that's when we uh, had reviewed by then uh, 200 records and uh, a total of 15 hours. And that. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm reading 6725A and it just says, doesn't say anything that it, it has, it doesn't describe subjectively what the um, documents, you know, it, it says that um, what it says with regards to a simple or routine, it says maximum deadlines provided in this article are appropriate for more extensive or demanding requests, but shall not be used to delay fulfilling a simple or routine or otherwise readily available request. So there is a maximum deadline. Well, you know, your, your response, the, the response is by the end of the next business day, whether you have the records or not. If you have the records, then you can, uh, you know, request a an extension of 10 days. But the, what this line means is that you're not to use that extension to just extend it, you know, for simple or routine. So, yeah, it's not simple or routine. So you can, you're w well within your rights to, uh, uh, and, and, and valid, uh, because obviously there were a lot, 
um, to provide uh, to to, to uh, uh, invoke the ten day uh, extension. Now, if you needed more time, I mean, there is a, you know a, the ability to do it on a rolling, on an incremental or rolling basis, as in sixty seven twenty five D, which gives you that that ability to do that. But you have to let the requester know. And we did, as I understand, because we wrote to him and responded to him on June 24th, the same day, advising him that it didn't qualify as it, but we would be handled as a standard request and uh, within the 10-day time period with a possible extension and that we would be in touch with him no later than July 5th. And on July 5th, that's when we produced the first um, tranche of our rolling responses. Yeah, I understand. It raises a huge red flag for us when you say that an IDR doesn't meet some qualification. It, there, no one can reclassify uh, an IDR. There's no, there's no allowance for it. There's no authority to do it. Um, an IDR is an IDR. It, it just is what it is. You can't convert it. It was an IDR, but we handled it as if it were, I guess, uh, you know. Uh, and, okay, and what so I'm saying is, is that's, inco that's, inco that's incorrect. Okay. As I understand it, don't we have ordinarily, if, as a standard PRA, you have 10 days to do what I call a statement of you will produce, won't produce, or can't produce, or whatever, what we call a statement of compliance. No. You're within a standard, a standard under 6721. Let me let me explain. 6721A, you a custodian must uh, respond with the documents within 10 days. Right. And under, also I, under an IDR. The, the expectation is that you you might be able to provide them if if it was simple and routine you might be able to provide it by the end of the next business day if you can't and it is not simple and routine then you can extend it for 10 days right and I guess because so, we responded there on the Sorry, same day, a question isn't that I, as an IDR. Well, That's what we might, were that, that was my question was that, you know, did they did did the agency convert it from a IDR to a standard? We've run into this before. That was my simply yeah. my question. Yeah, and the answer is no, we didn't convert it. We just said we can't basically you know, it wasn't simple and that we would produce within the, uh, I guess, is that 10 days? I mean, I assume that it was. Yeah, it's uh, within 10 days would, would have been July 4th. So you get the next day, which is July 5th. So that's the extension. But we did respond, the, you know, we did such a quick turnaround on this. Okay. I'm going to move on to Member Schmidt now. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, um, I just wanted to uh, say that uh, 
Uh, Ms. Liu, uh, if you ask different members of this task force, you may get different answers as to uh, sort of like how you should legally respond to something. And if 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 we gave you an answer collectively, uh, then it's a collective answer. Uh, we may have different answers to your to a question, but. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that my answer on this IDR conversion and IDR treatment might be significantly different than member Wolf's. Uh, so just, uh, I'm not quite sure if we should be just engaging in question answers about hypotheticals in, in a complaint resolution type of scenario. Well, I think for everyone's edification, it would be good to know. So we do it the way you like it. You know, um, we want to comply. We're doing everything I, I, we can totally to comply. Understand. And I, I totally understand that. Yes. Uh, and it might be my uh, opinion that what you did here is perfectly fine. Uh, and someone else may think differently. That's how it, it works here sometimes. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that you heard from me also, since I do think I do have a different opinion on this situation. Thank you, Member Schmidt. Um, do we have any other specific questions or are we ready to hear rebuttals so we can get into deliberations on this? I'm not seeing questions, so let's go ahead and do rebuttals and then we can do deliberations. So, as with the last file, we'll start with the respondent. We'll have three minutes, followed by the complainant for three minutes, and then we'll deliberate. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, please let the parties know. Ms. Lou, are you ready to begin? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Uh, it seems to me that if the Sunshine Task Force uh, Committee has a different opinion, that my approach would have been a reasonable interpretation of an IDR. The IDR was handled and responded to the same day. We responded within the 10 days. Uh, the only exception is if you're going to argue that we don't get the next, next business day, that we have to respond before you know, the three-day weekend, which cuts into our time when there's 1,500 uh, records and we spent 71 hours on this, how are you going to do it in one day? If you're expecting us to respond within one day, uh, we couldn't even do it within you know, 10 calendar days. So uh, be that as it may, if, you know, we, we've done what we could, we did it on a rolling basis, we worked on it diligently. This is highly sensitive uh, with all the information um, being private uh, attorney client work product. Um, you know, it's, we're trying to do a good job. And I don't, if we're in violation, we're in violation. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Luke. I'm sure when you're ready for the complainant. Mr. Brzezanski, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead, sir. Uh, so, um, in terms of the IVR, I don't think so there is a violation. Um, I only think there is a violation in terms of the whole um, 
again um, California law. So, and I think that request was again uh, just one day or something like that, uh, postponed like twenty five days if I'm not mistaken. So that's all. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, so members, it's with us here to deliberate. Um, Member Schmidt, is that your hand up? No, okay. Member Wolf. Yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, we've had more than three in the past several years, times when respondents have testified that they've uh, don't consider an IDR an IDR, uh, that they consider it to be a standard 6721 uh, uh, request. And we've warned them not to do that. And we've, we've cited them to do not to do that. Um, because the, the rules are different between the two different uh, requests. They each stand independent of each other. So I, I just wanted to state that. The, the second point here is, is I, I'm, I'm not necessarily understanding in the, in the complaint where the, there is a timeliness issue. Because looking at their timeline, they, they responded pretty quickly. I'll stop there. Uh, Member Stein. Yeah, I was going to say, I also do not see a timeliness issue. I do have a difference of opinion on the IDR. I do think IDRs are meant for requests that are simple routine and otherwise readily answerable. And I don't think this was a request that was any of those things. Um, you can tell by the amount of hours it took and just looking at the request, I don't see how it could have been resolved within 10 days. But nevertheless, they did get back to the respond, uh, the petitioner in one day, and they did begin releasing records on a rolling basis within 10 days. So I don't see a violation of timeliness. Thank you, Member Stein. Um, I'll jump in as next. Um, I, I'm largely the same opinion. I, I think the part about whether or not an IDR is converted or not is somewhat a, a discussion of semantics. I, I think we need to really look at is were the provisions under the IDR followed? And so was a to me, I have to look for was an initial response sent within 24 hours, and it was. Um, were some records sent within 10 days, and they were, and then were Follow-up records provided on a rolling basis, and they were. And I think Ms. Liu's response and her um, table or graph, whatever you want to call it, and her response was very informative. I think it demonstrates that they, you know, worked on this diligently, spent you know time doing it. They didn't delay. Um, so I don't see any, any timeliness violations here. Um, Member Wolf, is your hand back up? Oh no. Okay, so members, are we ready for perhaps a motion on this item? Member Stein, I can make a motion that we find no violation of uh, no violation <laughs> uh, for timeliness uh, in this case. 
Member Highland, I'll second that. Okay, so moved by Member Stein, seconded by Member Highland to find no violations regarding timeliness in this case. Okay, any further discussion on that motion? And not seeing any, let's go ahead and move to public comment on that. Yes, if there's any members of the public who would like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three or otherwise raising your hand through the application. I do not see any indications of public commenters. Okay, thank you, Victor. I think we're ready for a vote on this then. So Cheryl, when you're ready. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Padmanabhan? Aye. Member Padmanabhan, aye. Uh, Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Vice Chair Wong? Aye. Vice Chair Wong, aye. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Eight in favor, one absent. Okay, thank you, Cheryl, and thank you to both parties for your attendance and for sticking with us for so long. We appreciate that. Thank All you. right. We can go ahead and move on to the next item, Cheryl, when you're ready. Okay. Item number 12, 2022 annual report, discussion and potential action on the process and scope of an annual report and determination of the annual report ad hoc committee membership and meeting process. On October 11, 2022, the Rules Committee, directed by Member Stein to form an annual report ad hoc committee composed of less than a quorum of members of the full task force with the charge of developing the process for completing and disseminating a 2022 annual report and accompanying press release for distribution to the Board of Supervisors, the general public, and local media no later than January 31, 2023. On November 2, 2022, the full task force officially formed an annual report and ad hoc committee named Member Stein as chair and continued, and continued the annual report discussion to the December task force meeting. All right, thank you, Cheryl. Um, and I think it's good that we're getting to this item and it's before 930, so that's a bit of a change. So I think we'd have maybe a little more robust discussion on this if we want. Um, so I think this item is basically just to pick up where we left off last time, which was, you know, well past midnight. Um, so from our last meeting, we officially formed an ad hoc committee to work on the annual report. This was after the work that was done by the rules committee. Um, we named member Stein, the chair of that. And so. I will turn it over to member Stein to uh, lead the discussion on this. Yeah, um, I have to do, I have to say some of us are on the East coast, so it is well after midnight, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, we basically agreed on the process and to my, uh, recollection, uh, where we left it, what we needed to discuss was what we actually want to look at and include in the annual report. I hope that everyone has had a chance to look at the materials that I put on 
the links, which are just public generally, but task force members can comment on things and public, the public can send me comments. What I would really like to know is, I think other than um, member Padmanabhan, I'm not sure who else wants to work on this at this point. And I'm also not sure what the consensus of the task force is about what data we actually want to collect. I gave a lot of different possibilities. Um, I think there's like uh, four or five kind of areas of data that we could look at. I would actually recommend that we start with maybe one or two in this report and sort of see how that goes. If there are things that we think are valuable to have in a report um, that we decide what those are um, and that we also make sure that we have um, enough sort of manpower to collect that data. So I would suggest, um, you know, we need a few people to do this. Um, we have the the possibility to collect some quantitative data. We have the possibility to try to collect some qualitative data that would have to do with, um, you know, case studies of how the um, some of the information requests have been used, and then we have the um, submissions that people might make around potential policy issues to address with the board of supervisors. So. Um, I guess I hope you all had chances to look. I know a couple of the members did look and make some suggestions and I really appreciate that. Um, but any thoughts from the membership about what data you think would be valuable to include here? And let me know if you wanna be part of this little ad hoc committee. Okay, thank you, Member Stein. So members, what do you think? I think you're muted. Member Stein, thank you for getting us started with this. I think this is, you've set, laid awesome groundwork. I agree with what you said about maybe narrowing down the categories. I would like to volunteer for a very specific kind of work. I would like to be given assignments of categories to like strip out of files and like, I, I love the um, manual, like going through documents and finding the data and putting it into, into spreadsheet. That will make I'm me so happy. glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, I love doing that kind of stuff. As long as it's a specific, delimited assignment, it's like doing dishes for me. It's great. Happy yeah, to do that. And I would say, that, like with all of these categories, I've actually made spreadsheets and kind of gone through and um, extracted some of the data myself to see what could really be done. So yeah. they're all kind of a little bit tested, but it does require a certain amount of manpower. Um, it seems like to me an obvious uh, thing to do might be, you know, the complaint resolution data. Like we have all that and we right. can extract that and kind of put it together and just kind of see it all in one place. That might be one area to do it. But um, I definitely am interested in hearing from other people, like what data you think is most valuable here. But thank you, Member LaHood. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Mr. Chair Yankee, I guess um, I, I think some data I, I find interesting because we we heard it brought up, I think, in one of the comments before is how many hearings each case oftentimes takes before it gets closed. Um, I think that, you know, if, if we can, you know, convey that a lot of times this were on three, four, five hearings, I think that, you know, and I think we've all commented about this. Number one, it helps, you know, Having that many hearings for one case really 
makes it difficult to address our backlog. Plus, I think it's incredibly frustrating for both the requester who's waiting that long to get their documents. And I think it's probably frustrating too for the, some of the departments to not be able to, you know, close this out. And some, you know, may be confused, some may be intentional. We don't really know that, you know, each of them probably has their own reasons for that. Um, and so I think, you know, having that data would allow us to make some potential policy suggestions um, that would come out of it, right? Or are there things we can do on the enforcement side? Are there things that are too ambiguous in the in the law that that you know a department thinks it's complying, but maybe it really isn't, um, and those things. So anyway, that that's something I think would be interesting. Great, and that seemed to follow and uh, fall under like I think in the annual report tasks. I have number five SOTF complaint resolution resolution data that could be added to that as part yeah. of what we try to collect. And that also seems like the data that's closest again, closest to home. Um, and maybe like a very logical place to start for us. Let's see, um, I see member Schmidt and member Wolf with their hands up. Start with member Schmidt. I, yeah, I really got to commend you. This is really impressive. And, um, I just, uh, uh, I. I think it's the kind of thing that is is ideal for trying to get more of a of a of a of a, a rounded sense of what the task force is is supposed to be doing, as opposed to just doing you know petition. Petition after petition, it gets into uh, like policy eventually. I would myself. I feel like looking at this. I feel like I would be of limited value. I uh, I don't know anything about surveys. It's definitely outside of my skill set. Uh, but I would like to try to figure out if there's a way I could help out. Um, so maybe a, I'd be a conditional, put me on the committee, but I uh, don't expect too much uh, from me. Uh, and how about that? <laughs> Thank you, Member Schmidt. All right, um, we'll go Member Wolf and then Vice Chair Wong. Okay. Uh, equally, same sentiments on, uh, on good work here. A um, couple of things I think that would be helpful is um, kind of the, um, uh, the the number of complaints versus the number of requests uh, to show like how few complaints are are being actually brought forward comparatively to the number of successful. Or, uh, you know, non-controversial um, uh, requests that are made. I mean, there are there are tens of thousands of requests that are made, and um, we actually get a very sliver, a small sliver of of complaints compared to that. I think that I think that just it helps also to just show that the city does do um, due diligence. 
in, in uh, many cases. I think it's uh, an important thing to show. I, I think also maybe finding the top five recurring issues, um, you know, and that, so if it's like, if it's timeliness or if it's, you know, not responsive or, you know, those kinds of things, just to point out what are some of the issues that people are running into on a regular basis, member of the public, uh, generally. Um, and then something around, I think, um, uh, Chair Yankee brought it out was, um, around just not the lack of enforcement, but ineffective enforcement. Um, and you know, that it's a struggle, uh, for us when there is, when it's really needed. Um, and then also it's something, you know, I, I agree that there needs to be more public, um, uh, input on this to, um, to show if how the city is. Uh, implementing whether, you know, how it's implementing sunshine, whether it's, you know, working well or, or, or not. And just to illustrate or provide some sort of qualitative data. If there needs where, and if uh, change needs to be made. I'll stop there. So, I was going to say, I did start a little draft survey somewhere. I can't remember if I posted that or not yet because I was working on it. And I have a list of all the city departments, and I could do a little online survey. I don't know how many would actually respond to try to even get a sense of how many requests they're fulfilling each year. I don't know if they're keeping records of that even. Um, and I can see on next request a number of rec uh, requests that have been made, but you can't actually. Not all the requests are posted, so you can't review every request that's been made, even though you can see, you know, X number have been made to such and such department, but then a lot of departments don't seem to use next request. Um, and I think the police departments use a whole different system. Um, so some of that data might be partial, but we could still look at it. All right, why don't we go uh, Vice Chair Wong next and then member Pabinabin. Uh, yeah, I agree with everyone else. I think this is great work. So thank you so much, Member Stein. Um, I just wanted to say that I know I've been saying I will get together some like information on where each of you know our hearings is kind of like has the most time. So I'll try to get that to you because I think that would be interesting data for um, the annual report. I think I don't have like a ton of it just because I only started doing it uh, a few months ago but I'll try to get that to you. And then um, I would normally volunteer for something like this too, but I, I will tell you why in the next agenda item, why I'm not. <laughs> All right. So, um, say, so it seems like maybe doing, you know, I, I think we, the two data points that it sounds like people have the most interest in or the two kind of areas are possibly trying to see if we can get any information from departments about just basic information about how many requests that they're getting. Um, you know, maybe some, a brief survey that just asks a couple questions around that and then looking at our own data about, um, you know, complaint resolution and compliance. If, if that's what I'm hearing from people. That might be enough to try to do in the next couple of months. And then if people do submit case studies, we could have 
maybe somebody like member Schmidt review them and just make sure they're the information we want is there. Um, and we could, ver you know, vet it and write it up if people do submit it. And then if anyone wants to submit policy recommendations, those would be the components I'm thinking of right now. All right, I'm going to go, uh, let's go with member Pabinabin next, and then um, we'll go with member Highland and then member Wolf. Um, thank you, member Stein. Um, I echo everybody else here. The um, It's excellent. Um, um, analytical work that you put in here. Um, when do you plan to um, get this done? <laughs> yeah, so in the uh, rules committee uh, meeting, uh, member neighbors put a, I think she put a time limit of December 31st or January 31st, which I actually think is probably too soon, but um, there was some later deadline in March having to do with um, the Board of Supervisors and when they might be interested in something like this. I can't remember what the exact um, specifications of that were, but I'm thinking maybe three months to get it done past the end of the year because the data will be accruing until the end of the year. And, and um, you're looking at one year's data, right? Yes, just, um, you know, just this past year. Okay. Just 2022. Great. Thank you. Great. Uh, Member Highland. Yes, uh, I, I think that date was to possibly coincide with our 25th year anniversary. Does that sound right? No, it was it, that there was something put in there about that, but it was it wasn't something that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that was another possible date. Okay, anyhow, um, so I'm just going to throw in just to kind of. Go back on something that 1 of the members of the public said, which. Unfortunately, is true. Um, you know, it just kind of lends some historical perspective to all this. The annual report in the past was something the chair and or the vice chair or together were put together. It had a very small audience, you know, two, three people was forwarded to. No one paid it much attention. Uh, that is a sad reality of where the, you know, last dozen or so annual reports have gone and they're, they're in some dark space just sitting there. No one's using the information or doing anything with it. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity to use the annual report or whatever we want to call this the work we're going to do to have, to have it be maybe even a an awareness propaganda a marketing tool for us and what we do here so I love all the data stuff about you know all the cases um, maybe even you know how many cases are coming out of each department of them how many result in violations in Hopefully, you know, put a positive spin in people getting the information they want as a result of the SOTF process. You know, kind of a who we are, what we do, and here's a flow of all the things that come through us and the results, something like that, just to show, you know, in the background what the SOTF is doing for freedom of information, for sunlight, for getting people what they want. And that is, after all, our charter, right? Uh, so that way, in, I, I would love at the end of this to see like a snapshot. Um, in an image that says what the SOTF does. I mean, how many times do you guys have to answer this question to people ask you, oh, what do you do on the task force, right? Um, I would love to see all this data flow us and where what it results in like in one picture. Um, and then, you know, we'll just use that year in, year out and see where the shape is, where the, you know, and it'll reflect the issues of the day of the year. Um, 
you know, we're, we're very timely, you know, a lot of very interesting things come past us that are in the papers and everything else. So I'm kind of thinking more, more on that, you know, forget about the annual report and who it goes to not just not relevant really anymore. Um, we can always use it and send it to them and forward it to the board of supervisors, whatever, but really this should be about how can this, all this D and this data help us and help, you know, broadcast our message and help people see, oh, there is somewhere that does this. Okay. How do I do this? You know, we have some great intake forms now that we're using, you know, for, for, uh, information requests and whatnot. So I, that's, you know, two, three, five years down the road, I kind of see this all, you know, uh, and we, we, we really lost, uh, you know, uh, a great resource and member neighbors. I think she'll be able to pull all that together. I think member Stein, uh, you know, it's fantastic that you're taking this on and I think you're just as good, if not more talented. And we're lucky to have, you know, one or both of you, but we're lucky to still have you kind of help shape this. Um, but I, at each point when it's getting a lot of work and everything, just step back and say, how does this help us, you know, as a, as a body? Because I really think this is, this is work for us. I don't see this as, you know, a requirement and check a box, you know, annual report, board of supervisors. Don't think of it that way. I think, think of it as how does this help, you know, a member of the public see who we are, what we are, what we do, and how does this help us and kind of keep our pulse on, on the things that we do and what we should be doing and what we should be doing more of. Uh, um, yeah, I was going to say, all. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. That was a lot of the vision. I think that member neighbors and I had, and I, and I'm sure the rest of the people who work on this and the task force will really miss her in this process. Um, but exactly, I mean, we had a kind of vision of what this report could be and how it could potentially be used and it's board of supervisors. Yes, but it's also just more general awareness, better understanding of ourselves, better understanding of what's going on with sunshine in the city. And maybe even information for other cities that, you know, want to similarly take stock of what's happening. Yeah, I agree. I think I had uh, member Wolf next in the queue. Yeah, um, so 1 thing is also um, a great resource that a 1 of the anonymous is that. Uh, offered up was document cloud that has all the ROBs in it. That's in a fairly. Decent uh, searchable, it's a little clunky, but at least you can do searches within the. Uh, content of the PDFs. So if there was, if you wanted to like, you know, check on on various ODs um, for specific research on something on a particular category of items, uh, that document cloud um, uh, uh, database is is, uh, is workable. Um, the other thing I thought maybe too is. Maybe something about any new laws or case law that have come into effect and is within our jurisdiction, like, you know, whether it's Smith versus San Jose or the um, uh, law enforcement uh, personnel and uh, 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 record disclosures. Uh, we've had a number of complaints uh, around those issues. Um, might be interesting if, you know, they're not, if they don't know about it, 
uh, might be interesting to illustrate also. That's it. Thanks. Um, if you could send me the link to that document cloud, I don't know where that is. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send it to, uh, to Cheryl and she could pass it around to everyone again. Okay. No so, am I hearing? So, I don't know if we have to make a motion on this or not. Um, but if we did, I would say something like, you know, a motion to, to do a short survey with departments, see what we get, um, as well as to analyze our own complaint resolution data um, and collect store, you know, collect um, case studies if there are any people want to submit and collect any policy recommendations people want to submit, sift through them and maybe, you know, put them together into a concise, you know, section for this report. Uh, this is Chair Yankee, if, if I may. Um, I think designating you as chair um, kind of gives you the broad discretion to do all that. I, okay. I need to see each of these tasks have to go through this this process, and I think we we all universally, you know, are, are you know putting our trust in you and know that you're just, you know, the really the fantastic you know, person to, to do this. And so, um, I don't think there's need to make a motion. So I can just I have the discretion to try. I would to say you have the discretion. I think we form the committee and we put you as chair, and that would okay. be under the purview of of what we, you know, had the ad for that. Um, I think just to go forward, I think, you know, and maybe you could talk a little bit about it because I know you, I think you and maybe member neighbors, I don't know who exactly was involved, had some discussion with legal counsel about how meetings would go and how the public process would go. Because mm -hmm. um, I think we can't have more than a quorum of our membership on this committee. Um, but if I recall, like for the redistricting task force, for people who necessarily couldn't be on it, they were able to write like supplemental letters or maybe everyone did. I know there are some, you know, so for those of us who might not be able to be on it, so we don't exceed that quorum, maybe we could also add a supplemental letter, an addendum, if we wanted to be able to share our own views, just so it's in there as well. But anyway, if you want to talk about the process, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly if there will even be a meeting per se. Maybe occasionally there would be just to kind of see where everybody was and in, in doing whatever tasks eventually we sort of parcel out to each other. Um, but I see it as, you know, us working kind of independently and checking in just to make sure that the work is getting done and that we know how we want to put this together. So um, I am going to, we are going to be posting uh, material online for everybody to look at as it sort of develops. Um, and we, uh, you know, I don't know about having meetings. I don't know. If there, I, I guess, guess that's something needed, that, that could you can decide, them, but, sure. but we <laughs> won't have them with more than 5 people. So it will not be, you know, but it's also not, uh, to make a decision about anything. It's to write a report. So. So, do we have a list? We don't get more than 5 people. Maybe it would be helpful to. Get those 5 names now, which actually may need to be less than 5 at this point, because. Now that we only have nine members, it probably can only be before. Well, right now. So we have you. We have me. Um, we have member Padmanabhan, if you still agree, she has volunteered. Um, mem I, I said memberhood, right? <laughs> it's like 1230 at night here. No, it's almost one. 
Um, so me, Member LaHood, Member Padmanabhan, perhaps Member Schmidt could edit some things and <laughs> that's that's <Yeah>. our four. Did <laughs> uh, Jennifer say she wanted to participate as no, well? No, she said she didn't want to. Oh. Yeah. She said in another universe she wants to participate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so why don't we just um So that's it, four. That's four. And I, I just want to make sure that we don't, you know, hit a quorum issue or anything. So right. this way you, you folks can, you know. Discuss via email if need be, you know, as long as it, you know, not turn into an actual meeting and and work on it that way. Mm -hmm. I think we heard some public comment about that, you know, just that thing about trying to do as much of this, maybe not in public meetings, not to make the process not transparent, but you know, I think, you know, we don't want to have every single thing have to be done that way. And I think a lot of the work can be done individually, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a matter of dividing and conquering right. it, I think. All right, so I saw, do we still have some hands up? Is that Vice Chair Wong and Member Highland? Member Highland, do you want to go again? Okay, so maybe we move on to public comment. Let's do that. All right, so let's go ahead and call for public comment on this item. Victor? Sorry, forgot to unmute myself. Uh, we only have two people with us now. Uh, if you'd like to make public comment, you can raise your hand using the application. Okay. Oh, there they go. The caller has been unmuted. Hey, Cheryl, when you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm waiting for the caller to identify themselves. Caller? I think that's me. Yes, we can hear you. Are you ready? Uh, yes, when you say the word. Go. Thank you. This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association. Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and Library Users 2004. I think I said that already. PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. We've had a long experience with Sunshine through a whole range of administrations, chairs, and so on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and certainly have an interest in it because of the work that we do in civic uh, affairs. I'm very glad that you are uh, looking seriously at making a, an annual report. There hasn't been one, I believe, in approximately something like eight years. And um, I think it could be very useful and an important aspect of something that I've asked you repeatedly to do more and that is what's described in section 67.30 and beyond, which is your role in informing the folks that I think you've already identified, uh, members of the public, press, supervisors, and so on with regard to what's happening. In this respect, I think that you are painfully short on the public's perception, particularly the public's perception from those who have uh, filed or attempted to file 
complaints or had issues with Sunshine, um, what they might perceive as violations, and with the whole process. Uh, there's a lot of statistical collection and so on, and it sounds like a really fascinating academic study, but where are the guts of this, which is the people who come to you for some sense of justice and resolution of injustice and frustration with what may be violations and, for that matter, what not, may not be violations but perhaps ought to be. Um, I think that uh, Member Padmanabhan uh, had a good comment in the document that I saw where she talked about how about uh, something seconds. to do with, um, I think I thought I had 40 seconds, uh, something with respect to um, things that were failures as well as successes. And I have to say that uh, your loss of support from administration, uh, well, uh, from your, your level of support from administration and especially from the city attorney is a very significant loss that ought to be brought up and mentioned, including its impact. And those are some thoughts that I have yes, from here. limited uh, contact with this. Thank you very much. Okay, the other person has not raised their hand at this point in time. So I believe we can close public comment. All right, great. We'll go ahead and close public comment for this. And can I just say, I hope to be in touch with everyone who's volunteering about sort of next steps um, this week or next. Sounds good. And thank you again, member Stein for, for all your hard work on this. I'm, I'm super excited to see what comes out of it. Um, I don't think we need to take any action on this. And so. I don't see any other hands up, so I think we can go ahead and move on to the next item. Item number 13, announcements, comments, questions, and future agenda items by members of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Uh, Member Wolf. Future agenda item. Uh, a discussion around uh, the interpretation of 6725. <laughs> Okay, and maybe um, member Wolf, once we get to the stage of having our orientation or work working session, if you could remind me of that, that might be a good thing to, to have on there. Sounds good. Uh, Vice chair Wong. Um, so, yeah, as promised, I did not volunteer for working on the annual report because um, member Wolf and I have been working with San Francisco digital services on updating our website. Um, so, just today, we took a training um, on how to publish to sf.gov, which is the framework that digital services is working to um, build our new website on top of. Not to fear for anyone um, who's a fan of our existing website that will be archived, so you will be able to still access it. Um, our goal is to make things a lot clearer for the public and also give us um, the opportunity to potentially have a database of the information. Um, and if you're wondering how this finally got started, I attended Grace Hopper celebration in Orlando, Florida a few months ago. I talked to the former, let's see, I think she was the deputy director of um, the California Office of Digital Innovation, and then she put me in touch with the uh, Chief Digital Services Officer of 
uh, San Francisco Digital Services. And that's what got us kind of like kickstarted into this process. Um, so we've been doing some outside work uh, to get this started and we're hoping, I think it may, the new one may get published in January, I think actually, cause they were just trying to fit us in as quickly as possible before they change over the underlying um, CMS uh, content management system. So that's it. That is a great update. Thank you. Um, and I'll just give a quick update to everyone. I reached out to to member Hill when he didn't attend and, you know, he, he actually responded back to me about an hour into the meeting and unfortunately he is back into the hospital again, um, unexpectedly. So he wishes he could have been here. And so if everyone keep him in, in their thoughts for his recovery, hopefully he will be back sooner rather than later to help us out. Anything else for this item? So he has no idea how long this process is going to take him. We don't know, Cheryl. No, unfortunately not. I'll send him my best. Seriously. Okay, so let's go ahead and open this up to public comment. Again, this will be public. Unmute our caller. Caller has been unmuted. Uh, yes, when you say it's unmuted, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm supposed to start talking? I'm supposed to wait for Ms. Legere to get her timer ready? What does that mean, please? Peter, it means we can hear you. Okay, great. You can hear me, so. You ready? Uh, yes. Okay, go ahead. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I say these things not because I think in-person meetings are better, which the last minutes said I said. It's because I think that it mitigates to some small degree what can happen at a at an in-person meeting and cannot happen on a remote meeting. And that is for people who may want to contact each other and further discuss matters uh, to be able to do so. And with this, without having some way to reach people, as I am providing, there is no way to do that online. I would like to thank Member Bruce Wolf for what he said, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that Section 67.25, the immediacy of response section, which involves the immediate disclosure uh, request, desperately needs clear understanding by all sides so that we all know, uh, members, complainants, respondents, know what uh, is understood by the task force, at least, with regard to what the immediacy of response, the IDR, is. And I won't go into the details. I'll leave it to you to have that discussion. But in that same, with that same uh, understanding that we need clarification, I would like to suggest that it go even further. And I don't know that Member Wolf would disagree. Uh, there are many times when it's not clear to 
one party or another <clears throat> what it is that you expect, what standard you have uh, with respect to being legal. Um, what, so what I would propose is some kind of a question and answer opportunity and maybe a regular one because the respondents have a 24-7 access to the city attorney, but the members of the public do not. So there may be things they're unhappy about, but that aren't illegal. There may be things that very clearly look like they are illegal if, in fact, what they say is correct when compared with the law. So I think there would be great value in just helping the public and yourselves to get on the same page with respect to what's expected and what's required. You might have your attorney present for that. Um, and I think that it would be useful also to have clearly stated somewhere what the status is of the restrictions or the eliminations of old requirements based on the current circumstances of the medical emergency, so-called, or not. Thanks very much. Okay, I'm giving the last caller one last chance to indicate they want to make public comment by raising their hand. Uh, that completes public comment. Okay, thank you, Victor. Anything else for this item? Uh, Vice Chair Wong, did you still have your hand up or is that a new hand? New hand. All right, All right. perfect. All right. I think we're ready for the next item. Four ten o'clock. Item number 14, adjournment. I have 956. Do we have a motion to adjourn? Four sticks of gum. Motion to adjourn. <laughs> Second. Okay, moved by Member Highland, seconded by Member Wolf. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Meeting adjourned. Yeah, everybody. Good night, everyone. Matthew, I might call you tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you.